broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas. It's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Well, hello everybody and welcome to episode 35 of the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for January 2020. Tim, I can't believe I'm saying 2020. No, it fine. sounds like the future. But anyway, <laughs> my name is Jonathan Leung, and I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you? I'm good. Good, good, good. Mm-hmm. So, how's your New Year? How's your Christmas? It was good. It seemed like uh, it seemed like it was taking forever to get here. Then it all just flew by really quick. <laughs> Definitely. And I think the shortened season because of Thanksgiving falling where it did, and we didn't really get that half week in November, just made mm-hmm. everything feel so cramped together. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, it was good for us. And we'll get more into what we did probably in the after show, right? Like yeah. as far as, you know, the things that we did over the holiday. But we did postpone it a week, Tim. This is the second Thursday of the month. Typically Correct. we would have the live show on the first Thursday of the month. But because of the holiday and the way it felt, that was actually my first day back at work in a while. And yeah. so, you know, it was, it, I didn't really want to work my first day back from vacation and then have to do the live show. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but it was more of just convenience for us to move it to, to tonight. So uh, hopefully that didn't affect it, things too much, Tim. Hopefully a whole bunch of people here can still uh, join us and we'll have a good time answering your question, questions as always. So, uh, but Tim, is there anything you want to say before we get started? I didn't know. Uh, how are things going at Mr. Gaddy's? Uh, obviously coming off of probably a busy holiday yeah, season we had well. a We had a very busy time for the holiday, so... Uh, which was good, you know, you, you kind of count on those holiday boosts and times, uh, gave a lot of chance for people to come out uh, with their kids and stuff while the kids were out of school, and they definitely took advantage of it, so we were, we were busy. That's good, uh, well, hey, we want you to be busy, right? so absolutely. <laughs> busy is good. Exactly, so, well guys, we have a lot to cover in this episode. Tim, as you may know, there's been a lot of announcements coming out of the Consumer Electronics Show this week, uh-huh. and so we've actually added a lot of stuff to the live show outline that was not initially on it when I did it. Okay. And so that's that's great news, but it also means that we may have a longer show than usual, because I right. wasn't banking on all this news happening, right? Yep. So, but we will see. We will give you uh, some of the great information, uh, some of the announcements, Tim, from Stern, from uh, obviously Arcade One Up, and also from Toy Shock. And uh, all of these companies, of course, make either home use or commercial grade uh, pinball machines at this point. Right. And, and of course, Arcade One Up makes arcades. And so we'll get to that here in a little bit in the discussion portion of the show, Tim. But we have some questions like we always do. And before we get to the questions, we do want to remind everybody that you can interact with us during the show by leaving your questions and comments in the live chat. And Tim, we have uh, Davin Young is here. He says, good times. Thanks for what you do. You're so welcome. there you go. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Iceman1540 says, hey guys. Hello, Iceman. Hi, mm-hmm. Iceman. We've got uh, the real Billy Hammer, it looks like, uh, Lee, and he says, hello guys. <laughs> okay. The hey, real Billy. Billy, or Hammer Billy Lee. Hammer Billy Lee, okay. Hammer Bi- Billy Lee. There you go. And Danny Ransom, back in tonight, so that's always good. Nice seeing you guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you guys as well. So uh, again, if you guys have any questions or comments and you're in the live chat tonight, please let us know. We'll try to get to them as soon as we can. But Tim, let us not delay any further. Let us get to some follow-up from the previous episode, Tim. Okay. And so this first one here is from Nathan. And Tim, he was asking about what the service credit or the service wire did. I remember remember that. from the last show? So he actually did um, give us back a reply. He says, saw the episode. Thank you. I have more questions. I want to build a four-player machine, and I'm wondering... 
Where can I get a reliable 16-in-1 JAMA board and harness? And do I need a Raspberry Pi system to make it happen? From what I've researched so far, it seems that I do. Okay. Thank you for your help. Now, Tim, I don't know what the four-player machine has to do with the 16-in-1, because the 16-in-1 is typically a two-player cabinet. I think it only has two-player games on it. I think that's what he's saying. Is he going to have to go with a Raspberry Pi? Is it the best option? Or maybe he's thinking about possibly converting another cabinet he has to a 16-in-1. Regardless, Tim, let's okay. take that first one, uh, the first question first, of course. Where can I get a reliable 16-in-1 JAMA board and harness? Well, to be honest, there's still some legality issues. <laughs> yes. Uh, so some of our even favorite suppliers are no longer carrying that board. That's, that but, is correct. But uh, you can... Pro- the best place to go is just go to Amazon or eBay, uh, and particularly Amazon because you can get prime shipping exactly. and um, stuff. So we recommend going to Amazon, probably the best place to buy your board. Yeah, Namco has really cracked down, Tim, on American sellers selling the 61 boards. But what you have to remember about Amazon is there are third-party sellers on there that aren't in the United States. Right. And so Amazon can technically sell those items because it's not Amazon selling it. It's the third-party selling it that doesn't reside in this country. And so uh, Amazon eBay has sellers outside of the country that can still sell 61 boards, whereas American sellers typically can't now. Right. So yeah, your best bet is to go to either Amazon yeah. or eBay, and we have some links down below that you can click that'll give you basically it's a basic 61 sh- search that you can do on both those sites. So if you need help finding them, you can click on either one of those, and that'll help. What about a harness, Tim? Where would I get a well, good 61 harness? We love the harness that Holland Computer sells. Yes. In fact, have we released this video? We yet? have. Yeah. We've okay. Got so we have a video out. About what's the best harness, and if you want to see our reasons why, then you can go watch that video. We do feel like they have the best harness that you can buy in the United States. So, and we should say this: that the one we feature in the video, Tim, is just their regular JAMA harness, uh-huh. but they make one specifically for sixty-in-one boards. Okay. And so, if you're doing a sixty-in-one board specifically, then buy the sixty-in-one harness, Tim, and we link to that below as well. Okay. So, make sure you buy the sixty-in-one if you're hooking it up to a sixty-in-one. If you're hooking it up to any other JAMA board, just buy the one that we show in the buying the JAMA harness video. Uh, that should be fine for you. Okay, now, Tim, he's talking about four-player cabinets here. And so, obviously, 61 is not a four-player game. Right. It only has two. But he wants to make a four-player cabinet. He mentions a Raspberry Pi. Is that his best bet, or is it a bet, or what do you think? (laughs) Well, it may be his best bet. It's definitely a bet. Right. So, you know, depending on your skills and what, uh, that is uh, probably more your area of expertise, Jonathan. But if we were going to build a four-player game, I think that would probably one of the routes that we would take just because of the ease of uh, use, the software that's available for it, plus um, it's just small and it's easy to deal with. Exactly. So what do, what do you think, John? Well, I think Raspberry Pi is a fine route to go. If you need a little more power, you could always go full-blown PC, right? Right. So, I mean, and that's, that's another route to go. And sometimes, Tim, I mean, Raspberry Pis are cheap. That's one of the things that's appealing about them. But if you go full-blown PC, I mean, you can get, you know, like a third-generation, fourth-generation i5, right. which is very fast for like 200 bucks or less a lot of times. Yeah, and maybe so, you even have an older PC or you're upgrading. Right. That would be a good time to change that over. I'm like you. I would. What about the Raspberry Pi? Is it not able to run some of the emulators? Because the power on the Raspberry Pi is just not as powerful as what you get with a PC. I mean, it, okay. it's no. Don't get me wrong. For what you get is very powerful, but you got to remember that a full blown PC has typically more memory, 
better processing, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, yes, you usually get more power out of a full-blown PC than you'll get out of Raspberry Pi, but most of the games that people want to play, things like NBA Jam or uh, Turtles, don't require a ton of processing power anyway, but if you want to play things like NFL Blitz, may be possible on a Raspberry Pi, but may take some kind of config software configuration to really get it tweaked in okay so whereas a pc a lot of times can handle like especially the playstation or nintendo 64 versions of blitz play fine on pc even the arcade versions depending on your pc so obviously that's a route but either raspberry pi or pc is probably the best way to go wouldn't recommend a multi-game board here some multi-game boards do support four players but a lot of times those processors are not good enough to handle a lot of the stuff that you want to do. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, some of them are, some of them aren't. It just really depends. But overall, I'd probably recommend a Raspberry Pi or a PC over a multi-game board. So, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and throw this up here just so we can kind of summarize what we've talked about. Your best bet for a 16 board is to find one on uh, Amazon or on eBay. Uh, there's sellers on there, and they have, you know, just make sure they have a good rating or return policy, Tim. That's right. really important because... We've mentioned this before, 16-in-1 boards are manufactured in Asian countries, and it's very cheap, the yes. manufacturing process. And so it's not uncommon for these boards to go bad. Not uncommon at all. So that's something to keep in mind. Make sure who you buy from has a good return policy. The nice thing about Amazon sellers, Tim, is they typically do. Yes. And so if you're buying on Amazon, you're, you're usually safe on that. So on the JAMA harness, like Tim mentioned, go with our favorite from Holland Computers. And Tim, this link, which is also down below, contains the 16-in-1 model of the JAMA harness that we talk about in our video. Which really makes it easy. Exactly, because it's already kind of ready to go. Exactly, it's ready to go for 16-1. So on the four-player cabinet, Raspberry Pi or PC-based setup is probably going to work best. Most multi-cade boards do not support four-player formal simultaneous play. And the ones that do, like the later Pandora models, um, do not provide the same level of emulation you'll get with with a PC or a Raspberry Pi. And Tim, you can see here, this is like a little four-player dock that you can use for your Raspberry Pi that has a JAM adapter on one end and then some extra control ports on the other. Nice. So, I mean, you can get something like that. That is not cheap, I should mention. I okay. think, I think it, it runs uh, pretty high. But, you know, it makes it way simpler than trying to, you know, like hook up a keyboard encoder, for instance, or right. something like that. Um, but obviously that's an option, too, depending on what you go with. So, but uh, yeah, good stuff. And that that's a little um, dock. I think it's the... Our Picade is available okay. from highscoresaves.com, our friend Joe. So, I mean, if you want to go over there and get a dock for your Raspberry Pi, you can. So, there we go. So, Nathan, hopefully that answers your question. Thanks for getting back with us, and uh, good luck with your 16-in-1 project and your four-player project. Okay, Tim, let us go on. The Rigsar Show is here, and uh, guys, he actually contributed a lot of content to this episode, so I okay. want you guys to make sure that you check out his page. Uh, he sent us some pictures from the Consumer Electronics Show, Tim, that we'll be using tonight on the live show. Awesome. So we have a link to his YouTube page down below where he's got some videos from CES, so if you guys want more coverage, we highly recommend that you check that out. Um, we have, uh, let's see, is that Geeklight08? He says, Happy New Year, all. So there you go. Happy New Year. Gary says, first time I've actually been able to watch the show live. And I think this is the Gary that you talked to, Gary Burton, correct? Okay. Hey, Gary. And we've got a question from him later in the show. So, Gary, thank you for joining (laughs) us tonight. So, I don't know. Is anything going on tonight? Any big... No, I think, you know... No uh, NFL. No NFL game tonight. So... Maybe there's we probably, picked a good night. I was about to say, there's probably some bowl game going on then. <laughs> Are we past that at this point? We're past I, that, right? I think we're down to just the championship game, unless there's one of those odd bowls that, 
you know, you never know. College well, basketball is what we're getting into. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, it's really been the next sport, but and XFL. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so maybe we're running uncontested against sporting events tonight. I don't yeah, know. Maybe so. Unless you're watching Jeopardy, Jeopardy which I am. Right. With, with um, oh yeah, the, the the what is it the champ. Uh, cha- Champion of all time, champions of all time. Yeah. So you should be watching that. But anyway, after show, we'll talk about it. Okay. Okay, Tim, let us continue on with um, the next question from Greg here, the Regzer Show, and like we mentioned. So um, obviously, Tim, this is kind of a follow-up to some of the stuff that he sent us recently, but he says, can you suggest a good four-way joystick for pack for a Pac-Man-Galaga combo arcade? I'm using a HAP Ultimate with a four-way actuator, but it... It has too much deflection and isn't that great. I tried using a classic Miss Pac-Man joystick, but it seems this joystick is made for a metal control panel because it sits too low and just isn't right. I have a three-quarter inch MDF control panel that is bored out a little for the joystick. So I need a longer stick in order for it to be the right height. One other thing, the joystick needs to use micro switches instead of pin adapter. I don't want to splice things out. And Tim, the the good thing is that most, the vast majority of joysticks do use micro switches, thankfully. Uh Uh-huh. Now, now, Tim, that's kind of the first part of his question, so why don't we just go ahead and cover that right there. Is there a good, like, four-way joystick that you can get? Now, the, his problem <clears throat> is that, like, with the traditional Miss Pac-Man Galaga combo unit, it's a middle control panel that's very thin. Yes. And so it has a very short-staffed joystick. Right, and we've run across the same issue before. A lot of times people will take a router mm-hmm. and route that down and still use the original, right. uh, which is an option. Uh, it's not that hard to do. If you've ever had a router and you about can't mess it up, so you can just route that out and, and actually set that in there a little closer. But um, we like the four-way reunion-style joystick, Um, I know that some of the newer games, like you'll see the Pac-Man Reunion and and so forth, they still sell one of those. Now, what he could do is actually get a shaft extension or uh, use a longer shaft with his classic style. Right, with with the base, right? With the base, if you wanted to do that. Um, So that's a couple of options that he could try. Um, You know, that... We had the um, the Pac-Man ticket game at Chuck E. Cheese, and it had a pretty good ball joystick that was really tall on it. Interesting. And that would work okay, and you can get those from... If you'll just search at HAP, like for ball joystick, you're going to come up with several that you might to cho- can choose from. Right. Um, I still recommend the ball joystick over the shaft... So, um, if you'll just research ball joystick, a lot of times you'll come up with some, and a lot of them have different extensions and stuff that come with them, so that might could work for you. Right. But, but like I said, it is tricky, um, because, uh, but if you can, or, or you could chisel that out, you can make that set in there just right. And you could still use the original if you wanted to. Right. But, I mean, if you didn't want to do that, <coughs> outside of doing that, if he just got a shaft extender or if he got a, a ball-top joystick with a longer shaft on the end, then yes. he should be in good shape. Yes. And a lot of those newer-style uh, reunion-type games come with a really long... In fact, you know, I always thought the shaft was too long on that game. But so you're talking about right. like the joysticks for um, Pac-Man Battle Royale, for yes. instance, the joysticks for, you're saying the Redemption Pac-Man game, and then maybe the one for the world's largest Pac-Man as well. I imagine yes. those are all pretty similar. Yes, they're very similar. Uh, they have a screw-on ball, um, So because we always used to put a little extra glue or something and keep kids from unscrewing them and getting them off of there, but they were really long, uh, but they do still at least have the switch and switch style that you know where you can um 
you can still use the original Pac-Man kind with them and just replace that shaft. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, he's got another question here, Tim, so let's go ahead and cover that real okay. quick. And this is about his next project. He says, I'm thinking of my next project and I really want to build a Silver Strike bowling unit. The game isn't something that can be emulated, so I'm going to have to buy the original hardware. I'm hoping you can provide some direction on the pieces I need to make it work. I see stuff on eBay, but I'm not sure what I need to get. This is a long-term project, but I'd like to know what a good deal is on eBay. I found this this and see link down below there tim but i'm not sure if it's a good deal again i'm not really even sure where to start as this is new to me now tim i will say this we looked at the ebay link that greg sent and it looks like he it's only had the two io parts. board right, right. Yeah. he had the io board and then he had the cabinet id board uh-huh. but the problem is that that's only two pieces of the puzzle right right he's missing the computer right basically, which in is that the, package. the big part exactly right. correct but the computer does require the, the cid what we call the cabinet id board and the input output board the input output board is the board that interfaces with the controls to the PC. Right. So it's basically like a keyboard encoder of, of a certain type or a joystick encoder of a certain type. And so when you're talking about Silver Strike, yeah, you need those two boards, but you will also need the actual computer-based board that runs Silver Strike Bowling. Silver Strike Bowling, Tim, came out, I think, in 2004. Okay. And I'm surprised so, it's not emulated yet very yeah, good. Yeah, you know, I think the I think it still makes pretty good money on route. Uh-huh. And I think we still see them on route. And what we found is that the main team is very against emulating anything that's still on route available okay while it has been iterated on several times because we're all probably on silver strike bowling 19 or whatever it is the problem is is that there's still a lot of silver strike bowling originals that are making money out there and okay. i think that's why we haven't seen it emulated yet or it could be more complex than what we're thinking but there have been a lot of pc-based systems that have been emulated right. so i mean it is kind of a question of maybe they just haven't figured out a good way to interface the cabinet id perhaps right. or interface the io board or something like that now something we talked about earlier john that there is a really out there alternative and that would be arcade one up did come out with a silver strike bowling they're Goldman. going to right yeah that this is something Goldman that he, um, he actually sent like a picture of that we'll see um Arcade went up at CES, which we'll talk about later, announced a Golden Tee slash Silver Strike Bowling cabinet. And so if this board comes out, it would be it may be possible to buy the PCB separately because Arcade went up a lot of times will sell the pieces separately and then just interface that with the rest of his cabinet. I mean, if he wanted to put it in a bigger style cabinet or he could just buy that off the right, shelf and, have and it. buy it. And I mean, think about it. You could literally own the, the rights to the software in right. that in the board that they're going to send with it. For the same price that it would cost, or less than it would cost to buy a PC with all the stuff on it. Yeah, I think when so we looked an it alternative. up, when we looked it up, Silver Strike bowling kits are still going for three to four hundred dollars. So, and if you're looking at the Golden T Arcade One Up right now, it's four hundred bucks right, right now if you bought one out outright. So, if the Silver Strike bowling version of that is the same price, yeah, you could basically buy that and interface it as well. But so that would be my deal is that a lot of people, especially in our arcade collectors, don't like the arcade one ups because of the cabinet. Right. But has anybody taken the board and put it into a regular size cabinet, which would be very easy to do? People have done it with the asteroids. I was about to say we well, they're not JAMA technically. There's a little bit there's there's pinouts that you'd have to do, but people have done it with cabinets. I saw a full blown asteroids running the asteroids arcade one up PCB, so it is possible, obviously. But I don't know if um like I said, I don't know if that'd be the greatest alternative and we don't know how much that cabinet's going to be or when it's coming out so that may not be an alternative that we see right now but if you're looking for a kit you're probably looking around the 400 hundred dollar price range which is not cheap for silver strike bowling but like i said the problem tim is that they make money still right and so any game that makes money still a lot of times um you know 
our arcade operators are going to leave them out there. We see them at auctions, though. We see them at yeah. auctions quite a bit. So, you know, if you, um, I don't know where you're located, but if you're in an area that has arcade auctions, we can tell, you know, you may be able to go to one of those, pick up a full cabinet, maybe the monitor's shot in or something like that, and then, you know, just take the boards out and be good that way, too. So, but, so. yeah, those are kind of the options that we have at this point. So let's go ahead and summarize all that, Tim, real quick. Okay, we really like the four-way reunion-style joystick that we were talking about, Tim, uh, and that's what's used in the original Miss Pac-Man Galaga combo cabinets. Um, but we do understand that your issue is with the control panel thickness, so you could try that same reunion base with a longer joystick handle. You could do um, this one here is an arcade shop one, uh, Tim, that has a longer a longer shaft on it. This uh-huh. is joystick handle. Or Sanwa has a shaft extension that you can get. This is from Holland Computers, this link here. And both these are da- should be down below in the show notes. But um, you can get the shaft extender, which will actually extend the end of it and give you a little bit more length on that. So, um, But a longer joystick handle for sure. Or Tim's idea was really good too here, Greg, in the fact that you could just buy a replacement Battle Royale or Pac-Man Redemption, or what, what was the other one? World's largest Pac-Man joystick. Because yes. all those should also be four-way joysticks that handle the same way. And they are just a little bit longer. For whatever reason, they didn't make them, they made them longer. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, I mean, people don't always like their hands so close to the control panel. Right. And I think that's part of it. So, But, you know, new handle, new joystick, new, or joystick extension, or maybe perhaps a whole new joystick, maybe a more modern four-way joystick like we see in some of the newer style Pac-Man cabinets would be good. Um, Silver Strike Bowling, like we said, if the, the auction that you linked to only had the, the CID and the IO boards. You will need those, plus the PC-based system that drives the game. And the pricing we found, Tim, is around 400 bucks. But it also depends on which version you're looking at. So, But it is a PC-based system, but you need the cabinet ID board and the IO board in order to run it. So there you go. But anyway, Greg, hopefully answers your question. And again, we want to thank uh, Greg, a.k.a. The Rexer Show, for giving us all the pictures that we're going to see in our CES segment. And make sure you visit his channel for some great videos and CES coverage from this week. So, Greg, hopefully it answers your questions, and good luck with your future projects. Okay, Tim, let's look over here in the show here. We have Danny. He says, speaking of 60 and 1, again, I talked to you about my issue I had last show about it being stuck in demo mode. I got it fixed. Um, was a loose connection. Works fine now. Okay. So there we go. Awesome. Always good to hear people uh, hear people say they fixed their game. You got to ring that bell, Tim. Right. Ring the so bell. There we go. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, YouTube Punk says, hello there. What did I miss? Nothing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, you joined at <clears throat> just the right time. We haven't, we, we've only answered what? We've only done two follow-ups, basically. Yes. So no, but you can go back and watch them. That's what we had the DVR on for, right? Right. <laughs> so go back, rewatch it. You'll be fine. Uh, let's see. Um, intervi- is that, let's see. Intel Viz John. Okay. Silver Strike Bowling was my first cabinet I bought. I got it for 50 euros. Nice. Wow, that's cheap. Yeah. So, good deal. Davin Young says, has it started yet? I'm still seeing the splash screen. It has, and it looks like everybody else is, is okay here, Davin, but you may not. Uh-huh. So, um, make sure that you slide that little slider all the way to the live part. You may be watching the recording part. Right. So, um, But you need to slide the slider all the way to the live part if you want to watch the live part. Uh, so, there you go. Um, let's see. About Oh, about 15 minutes in... Oh, we're about 15 minutes in, Davin. Press live on the right. Yeah, there is a live <laughs> button you can hit as well. So uh, if you hit the live button, of course, you're seeing it live. So and you can go back and watch what you missed later, right? Right. Because it's good to be here live. So there we go. But anyway, guys, um, it looks like we're caught up, Tim, on the sh- on the live chat. Okay. On the show live chat. So we will continue on with some more questions. And, Tim, this one comes from Andy. And this one's a very interesting one here. Hey guys, I am a newbie to the arcade world. I bought a Sega Frogger a few months ago that had been struck by lightning. 
I replaced the power supply with a switching model and it fired right up. The monitor worked and we played it a lot, but the color was off and it was shaky. I just put in a cap kit. It's a Wells Gunner K... Uh, 19K 4600, 4610 as we commonly would call it, uh-huh. and that has helped a lot. The image is stable and clear, but the color is still off to me, i.e. the cars are whited off, out, the grass color is off, etc. I have tried adjusting most of the pots, color, focus, image, etc. I don't know how to get to the test screen to see what is specifically off. I found the manual online, but I don't understand what it's referring to. IC61 Fuse ROM 6331-1, question mark. Here are some pictures of my monitor screen. It's a Xena tube with a Wells Garner chassis. My cabinet, the manual, and what the color should be. Any advice for me? Thanks in advance. And Tim, I, this is the um, little little page of the manual that he's referring to okay. here where it says when the color is light or no color, faulty. Um, IC. IC61, uh-huh. Fuse ROM, 6331. Now, Tim, um, we don't think that's it. Right. We'll talk about that here in a second. But that prob- that ROM probably has to do with the color values, we'd imagine, in the game. Mm-hmm. And so if you are having color issues, it wouldn't be bad to do it. But, Tim, based on these screens, I don't think that we're really seeing a color ROM issue here. So this first screen, Tim, is what he's getting. The one on the far left. You'll see that how the colors look. Yeah, it's they almost- kind of look washed out. Right, exactly. So all that kind of stuff. So very, very strange. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just really odd. And then, of course, the middle one is what they should look like, right? Right. Like, that's what we should look like in a Frogger. And then the last one is is the inside of his cabinet. And Tim, look how clean that is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for yeah. a Frogger, I'm like, golly, that is one of the cleanest Froggers I've seen in a long time. But Tim, obviously, he's having some color issues here with his monitor. And it really seems like more of a purity issue. And, you know, Tim, like I said, with his monitor, because just based on... What we're seeing in these pictures, it looks like to me it's a color issue. Right. And with the monitor specifically. Well, here's the deal we're going to start off with. And, uh, of course, we talked to Michael um, not oh, long ago. spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler We'll talk alert. about that here in a second. Um, <clears throat> and uh, he brought some good points that any time a game is hit by lightning, it can cause a multitude of issues. Uh, so, and they're really hard to track down because not only does the lightning... Uh, it could affect all, all different areas at once. Right. And so it could affect the cap over here, maybe a resistor over here or a transistor. You know, there's so much that can happen. But we do have a picture which really tells us a lot. And when we see this picture, the first thing that stood out to us, it kind of looked like it needed degauss. Yes. And so what happened is your degaussing circuit could have been damaged by the lightning strike. Sure. And that is very common. In fact, um, even on an older, that's why part of our arcade uh, toolbox is a degaussing coil because as monitors get older, those circuits do go bad. Absolutely. And so it's good to have. So we're going to highly recommend that he try to degauss it with a wand that either he buys or he can make one. You plenty of YouTube videos on how to make one. Uh, but he can try that. We think that that may solve a lot of his issues. Outside of that, then it's kind of a shotgun approach because it could be, yes, it could be the IC chip could have got damaged. So that would be something to replace. Uh, of course, he needs to do a cap kit now that lightning has hit it or it so, has some issues. Real quick, though, we can eliminate probably that IC chip on the main board just by unplugging the board and running the monitor and see if we have that same kind of discoloration, right? Exactly. So if if it yeah if it is your main board, 
then uh, you should be able to go into your test mode or something or just unplug it and see how bright, you know, it should show green white, or blue exactly. or white. If you get a white screen, <coughs> then you're probably in good shape. But if you get that same discoloration with without the board, the board hooked up, right, then you definitely have a monitor. Problem. Right, then you have a monitor issue. And we think it's a monitor issue yes. based on looking at him from what he said. Right, exactly. So degaussing is probably the best bet. We think that that circuitry was probably damaged. And a degaussing coil, which guys, if you're not if you're not familiar, you need to watch our video on degaussing a monitor. I, what video is that on, Johnny? It, it, it is that. It's, it's called degaussing a monitor. Like that, yeah. So anyway, we shot it a long time ago, but we really have had a lot of luck using a degaussing coil. Okay, so using a degaussing coil. If you don't know what we're talking about, it'd be a great video to go watch. For those of you that have that, and let's look, you want to bring that up and look at this picture one more time. Yeah, this is our little summary. We'll go ahead and summarize <coughs> it real quick. But from your description and pictures, it looks like you are experiencing a monitor issue. While it is possible that the problem is caused by the game board, the pattern of the discoloration makes us lean more towards the monitor. Discoloration like this can be caused by the shadow mask in the tube becoming magnetized. And Tim, that's it's very possible that when it was struck by lightning, it could have magnetized the shadow mask a little bit. Yes. So um, it's not unheard of. So you want to check the degaussing coil. Now, Tim, people know, or some people should know, that there's a degaussing coil built into the monitor. Okay, yes. and it's a it's that little black that little black coil that's wrapped around the monitor tube and typically it is hooked to the monitor chassis and there's only two parts to it Tim there's the coil and then there's the, what we call the positor and so if you just check those two parts to make sure that they're working properly that may help a bunch because if it's not getting that degauss right off the bat whenever the game first fires up that may be why we continue to have these discoloration problems. Um, and Tim mentioned you can try an external degaussing coil or one to see if that helps as well. And Tim, we have a link to one on prizeelectronics.com that you can get. That's still available. About 50 bucks for that coil. But, okay. I mean, if you've got more than one game, you're going to use it. Yeah. So now here's the other thing, Tim. We have mentioned this in the past in that the earth magnetism forces will sometimes will sometimes play havoc with your shadow mask. And For so sure. rotating the game will actually help it in a lot of cases or rotating your monitor in a different direction. And when I say rotate, 90 degrees. Uh -huh. So take it at 90 degree angle, see if that helps it at all. Move it to a different part of your game room, see if that helps it at all because there are magnetic forces that could be working on it. But with discoloration this bad, Tim, we do think that's probably going to take a degaussing coil to get it to where you you want it. So, I mean, Probably overall. So. so, but uh, hopefully that answers Andy's question. Uh, and if you have any other questions about that, then let us know. Like Tim mentioned, it could still be that IC chip on the main board, but more than likely, I mean, you're probably getting it on your monitor. If you're wondering, unplug the board, fire up the monitor, see if that discoloration is still there. Because you still should be able to see some discolored areas, even with the board. Right. And uh, we got a video on testing a tube, and you can go in, and it'll show those tube colors really bright. Right. You could have a damaged tube, uh, also, we should mention, because Possibly. of the fact that, like I said, lightning is very hard because it could affect a lot of different areas. It's hard to say it's this or this. You're going to just have to play around a little bit and start ruling out some things. But that's real simple to check your guns on your uh, tube to make sure that none of them got damaged. But see the way it's kind of every color and it's kind of washed out. Yeah, that really, that wash out look is what really made a zero in on the degaussing circuitry. And so hopefully um, that would do it. And Andy, please, uh, if you have some success fixing that, let us know. I think it would be good for future 
reference and stuff that we were able to figure out what that was. Absolutely. So Andy, hopefully answered your question and good luck getting your monitor picture back to perfect. And I know Tim, the nice thing is that it is playable. I understand that. Yeah. But it's still good to have the correct colors on your Yeah. And when you showed that what it should look like next to it, it's a world of difference. So, Huge difference between yeah. the two for sure. So Andy, hopefully answers your question. Please keep us updated on your progress. Let us know if we can help you out any further. Okay, Tim, I saw here that YouTube Punk just donated some money. Oh, thank you. So thank you. you, YouTube Punk, for that. Now, he also says he donated some via PayPal. So that's always an option for you guys because we know a lot of you guys don't use the Super Chat. Right. So the Super Chat, Tim, there's a little money sign down uh, in the little area down there, wherever it is. Um, so, um, you know, if you want to use the Super Chat to donate, you can. Okay. okay, that's one way to do it. Or if you'd rather donate to us via PayPal, you can go to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate. There you go. So easy enough. ArcadeRepairTips.com slash donate. You can enter any amount that you want. If you want to give us 50 cents, you can give us 50 cents. <laughs> hey, 50 cents is one game, right? right? Exactly. Or one game of Dragon's Lair. Or right. a quarter. You know, <laughs> donate, donate a quarter and, uh, you know, you can play one game of uh, Pac-Man or Gallagher or something like that. We do so. appreciate anything, though. Absolutely. We appreciate all donations. So thank you, YouTube Punk, for donating here and on PayPal. We, we appreciate both. So uh, it's always great to have you guys here and to support us. And Tim, I just can't, um, I, I just can't uh, get over like uh, the support that we've had from the audience. You guys are so awesome. It seems like every time we do a live show, Tim, we have people who donate, and uh, it just blows me away. You guys are great. So yes. thank you for that, um, Tim. I will say this: over the holiday, and you, you, I made you aware of this. We actually donated to some of our favorite creators. So right. some of the guys who have supported us, we made some donations too. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the after show. But here's what you should do: if you have content creators and you like the stuff that they're making tim you should donate something i'm not saying you have to give them five or ten dollars or whatever like you know a month Uh or something like that maybe just throw them a buck right ten dollars one time or something like that but you know if you're enjoying content from somebody why not support them too and so that's what we did tim we threw some money to some people uh that we enjoy their their content and you should too so i mean obviously like i said tim you don't have to throw a ton Right. Just throw a little something their way. It makes a, a huge difference. A tip. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, just throw them a little tip, and I think it makes everybody's day when you do that. So um, and you'll feel good because you support somebody who makes content you enjoy, and they'll feel good because they know that they have a great audience of people who support them. So anyway, Tim, we'll talk about that more in the after show, but I okay. uh, just want to make you guys aware we are so grateful for everything you guys give. So. That's okay, yeah, we got some more here. Danny says, I was wondering if you could use a different power supply on my Cruising World instead of the original PC power supply. If so, what could I use for it? Now, here's the deal, Tim. The reason why we use the ATX-style power supplies is because of the higher amperage. And right. a game like Cruising really needs the higher amperage. So, like, most of the standard switching power supplies are, what, 15 amp? Yes. But when you get up into the ATX style, they can be 20, 25, 30 amp or higher. Right. And so, like... A lot of driving games uh, require that extra amperage because they're pushing a lot more than just just the game board. Well, they they have multiple controls <clears throat> that they're having to juggle um, a lot, and which also usually means an interface board or maybe several interface boards, uh, force feedback motors, some other stuff like that. Correct? Yeah. Another thing would be the connections are so much easier when you get the same type. Exactly. I mean, it just saves a world of time. Not that it can't be done, but yes, you're right. It will probably pull too many amps for a lot of the smaller switching. Power power supplies. Right, exactly. So, I mean, while ATX power supplies are not cheap, Tim, I mean, no. we should mention that comparatively, but what are they? Like 50 $60, maybe 100 maybe on the high 80, side? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say 100 on the high side. I mean, for that amount, though, Tim, how long does the power supply last? A long time. Long Probably as long time. as you have the game. Exactly. Well, maybe not that long, but I mean, <laughs> it'll last for five years minimum a lot sure. of times. I mean, if you've got a good switching power supply and you put it in there. So, I mean, it is a little expensive, especially for home people, Tim, for people who don't have these things out on route, but it's worth the cost to get the right one for sure. 
And yeah. if you go to happen, just tell them what kind of game you have. A lot of times they have specific power, power supplies that are recommended for that game. Have Even pro- older games. Have provided the, um, for a lot of 90s games and newer, they provided the power the original power supplies. Right. And so a lot of times, like you said, Tim, if you contact them and you're like, hey, I need a, uh, I need a power supply for an NFL Blitz 2000. They're like, oh, got one right here. Right. They know exactly what and it is. It just is. makes it so much easier to hook up. To. Right, exactly. Because all the connections are there that you need. So I know it's a little on the expensive side, especially to order from HAP, but it's worth the extra expense to make it easy for you. So, um, so the Frank Game Room Expo's here. He says, happy 2020, Tim and Jonathan. As always, thank you guys for the great tips. Thank you guys for the great expo that you put on. If you yes. guys have not been to the Southern Fried Game Room Ex- Gaming Expo now, it used to be Game Room. It is okay. the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. If you have not been, you should definitely go. It's usually in the summertime, Tim. Uh, I don't know if we'll be able to make it this year. Maybe we can we can try to make the trip. I would but, really uh, like to. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you know, it's one of the it's one of the better expos that we've been to for sure. And you know. Uh, all the guys that put that on, Preston Patrick and, and everybody, um, they just do a fantastic job. So thank you guys so much for uh, for putting on one of the best expos here in the in the States for sure. Uh, let's see what else we have. YouTube Punk. Um, YouTube Rob's 30%. I'd rather you get more, more of the entire donation. And so this is the deal that you guys may not be aware of, Tim, is that when somebody donates via the Super Chat, YouTube takes a 30% cut of that. Ah, I wasn't even aware of that. So you may not be aware of that. I know that because I look at the revenue statements, but <laughs> right. um, uh, that is correct. <clears throat> now, here's the deal, Tim. YouTube provides the platform for us to do this. Right. So without YouTube, we wouldn't we be doing do this. Right. So I don't mind them taking money for that. But you donate however you feel led to donate. How about that? If you feel uh-huh. like you want to donate via the Super Chat and you're okay with that, then we're fine. If you would rather donate via PayPal, we have that option to you too. So, I mean, there's no uh, – we don't, we don't care. <laughs> I mean, we will take we will take your money if you want to donate, but we do give people the option to do either. So, I mean, obviously, YouTube has supported us. I mean, without YouTube, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So, we want to thank YouTube for that. And them taking a little cut out of it is okay by us because, like I said, otherwise we couldn't do this. So, thank you, YouTube, for that. But if you would rather do PayPal, uh, we do see more of the money if you donate through PayPal. Gotcha. So, we see more of it. So, that is true. So, it's up to you. Make the decisions as you may. I wish that... YouTube was more transparent about that. They should tell you that. Yeah, they should. Like, whenever you donate, they should say, you know, 30% is going to YouTube and the rest (laughs) is going to your creator. They should say that, uh, and they don't. So that is the one complaint I do have. But outside of that, donate the way you feel led to donate. We're good with that, so... Okay, Tim, enough about donations. Right. I mean, if you guys want to donate, great, but let's get on with this show, right? Right. So this one, Tim, is actually a comment <clears> on <throat> the previous show, so it's kind of a follow-up in itself, but it was from Arcade1Up Official L. I guess is what it is there. And he says, Hey, I am new to the arcade hobby. I recently acquired a Neo Geo 4 slot MBS cabinet and I've played it for a good 15 minutes. Everything is all well and good except the screen constantly flickers from bottom to top. The loading Neo Geo intro goes from bottom to top at full speed. Colors are there. Any ideas? So, Tim, we have Arcade 1-Up Official L, um, and he's got Neo Geo 4 slots. So he's got more than just an Arcade 1-Up. Okay. Hey, haven't we talked about, like, the gateway drug, right? right? <laughs> so Arcade 1-Up is like the gateway drug to real arcade ownership, and Arcade 1-Up Official L here, I think, has made the jump, Tim. So okay. he's got a nice Neo Geo 4 slot, Tim, which are great cabinets to have, lots of variety in that. But he's getting, getting this flickering from from bottom to top, which is right. a little different. Um, so what do you think is going on with the flickering? Well, that's the key word there is define flickering. Is yeah. it is it pulsing or is it kind of scrolling or, or what? A video would really help. But we're going to go with kind of the, well, if it's this, it could be this. 
Uh, but not knowing sure what flickering is, but he does say it kind of goes from bottom to top, which to top. makes me think that it's kind of a scrolling issue. Right, or rolling. Yeah, a rolling issue like that. Uh, if that is the case, you can try to adjust both the horizontal and the vertical holds um, to see if that helps. Uh, check your sync circuit. Uh, some of those things, the wiring and stuff, could be out of sync a little bit. Um, but now, if it is the actual pulsing... Which, you know, that kind of, when I think of flickering, I think of a screen that kind of, you've seen it kind of go, go big or just kind of, just a flash or something like that. So, in other words, like, we almost see the, the screen, like, jump to a bigger size for a second and then jump back down. Yes. Kind of like this. Kind We've of thing. seen that happen quite a bit yeah, over, over the years. Uh, when we see that, we know that something's going on in the power supply section. Uh, check your B plus voltage and stuff. And you could have an internal arcing in your flyback. Uh, that could cause that. So, so, so like, let's explain it to people. This is something that Michael actually, because we we consulted Michael on right. this one. Something that he mentioned. We show external arcing a lot. External arcing is when there's a hole in the flyback and it jumps over to a right. metal ground somewhere on the chassis. You okay? actually see it, right? You shooting see over, the arc. Yeah, shoot. Well, you can have arcing inside the flyback where you don't see it. But it's there. And so if you're having that, a lot of times you'll get that kind of pulsing sensation as well. Right. Or pul- pulsing screen that, that we're describing. So, I mean, that is definitely something that I was unaware of, Tim, but something uh-huh. that we've seen. In those cases, Tim, your best bet is to replace the flyback, obviously. But it may not always be obvious to you that it is a flyback issue. So make sure you check the rest of your power supply with that. Make sure your B-plus volt, B voltage is dialed in. And that'll make a huge difference as well. But I still can't come back to the fact that it sounded like this was more of a rolling issue. So... Basically, it wasn't syncing up just right. Right. And so there, there's some things that he could do. He could do a cap kit would help uh, to make sure that all those caps are in so you can dial that in a little bit better. But a lot of times, it's just a simple adjustment and playing with your adjustment knobs a little bit to get that into sync or touching up the solder where the sync wires come in or making sure your sync wires are good uh, and solid. Even those pots go bad. Uh, so those are some things that we would check if we were looking into an issue where it seems more of a scrolling. So flickering, uh, like I said, you know, sometimes guys, you got to understand um, what somebody calls a flicker, somebody else might call a scroll, whatever. So a lot of times a video would have really helped in this instance. And, and I just thought about something else here, Tim, that we've seen before where we jump. And actually, I have a friend who his arcade's doing this right now. Where it's a full picture and then it jumps to a single line, full picture, yeah. it, it collapses basically. Right. A lot of times that's your vertical IC failing, or uh-huh. it could be that you need to touch up the solder in your vertical section of your monitor because if you're getting that collapse, of course, that's what we know as horizontal collapse. And so, uh-huh. um, so you could also call that flickering, where we're like all oh, big and then it goes down to a line, all oh, big goes down to a line. So I right. mean, that's another option that we could have here. So just a, just an idea of when you send in a question, you know. Think about that or send a picture. Sometimes those pictures are little short videos or Andy worth was, a thousand. Andy did a great job with his and the picture that he sent, I think, told us a lot. Right. You know, if was he just was really said, able to narrow it down. Right. If he just would have said discoloration on his monitor, I don't know if we would could have, have been, been as specific. Right, exactly. So I mean it makes a big difference when you do, so please send in pictures when you can. But Tim, I'm gonna go ahead and throw this up here real quick. And it says unfortunately it's hard to know from the flickers description exactly what the problem is with your monitor now tim what i put up here for a picture is that's a, a sync, a sync issue. issue correct yeah so um if you're getting more of a rolling or scrolling which tim 
Based on what he said from bottom to top, sounds like rolling or scrolling. Let's try the holds first. That'd be the first thing. Try to adjust the holds, either horizontal or vertical. Tim, a lot of times horizontal, depending on which way it's rolling. So, um, but if it's from bottom to top, I'm thinking horizontal. Mm -hmm. So try the horizontal hold and maybe the vertical, but horizontal hold, see if it helps. You also need to check the sync circuit on your monitor chassis. That means starting where the sync comes in and then there's a whole sync circuit that that goes to on your monitor chassis. Make sure that all of that is working properly um, in, order, in order to make sure that, you know, we've got good sync going, going where it needs to go. Now, if it's more of a pulsing effect like we talk about, uh, where, you know, the screen size fluctuates at random times, let's check the B plus voltage. Tim, that's more of a power supply section issue mm -hmm. and like we said it's possible to have internal arcing on the flyback and then tim if it's going from like a big screen down to a line then you may have a collapse issue so you need to look at the vertical ic and the vertical section of your monitor chassis at that point and so tim there's kind of a whole right. bunch of things here but well, and you know, if all that sounds um kind of foreign you can do a cap kit when you'll probably get all that so <laughs> you know true. sometimes just doing a cap kit sounds like our kind of go-to, but sometimes when you're a newbie, sometimes it's easier to just replace all the caps. You'll get the rebuild of the power supply. You'll get the rebuild of the sink circuit a lot of times, and you'll get better colors and stuff. So and it'll help your power as well. Yeah, so it'd be a great thing to, to do at this point. Right, exactly. If so, you can adjust it out. Right, exactly. And so I know it's kind of a shotgun approach, Tim, but there's a reason why we recommend that. For one, it kind of forces you to touch up the solder on your chassis, which is a big thing anyway. You should always be touching up the solder points on your chassis, especially in a game that's a Neo Geo 4 slot that's, what, 30 years old now? Right. So, or about around that. So, I mean, definitely it's good to do that. But it can also fix a lot of problems because there's caps in the vertical section, there's caps in the sink circuit, there's caps in the power supply section. And so, if there's any cap issues within any of those sections, they can help that as well. So, um, okay. Arcade Wamp officially, hope, hopefully that answers your question and keep us updated on your progress and what you decide to do with it. Tim, adjustment's always the first thing though, right? Yes. Adjustment's always the first thing. So, even before you jump many, to... Yeah. Many a monitor. Just before we even jump adjustment. to like the actual chassis repair... Just try adjusting it. Look at our video on adjusting an arcade monitor and let us know how it goes from there. Okay, Tim, we have Danny here. He said, I, I was wondering, you guys have a lot more experience in arcades than I do. I know CRT monitors go bad, have issues. Um, getting ready to pick up a crisis zone, um, but the monitor is bad. I noticed shooting games always have more monitor issues uh, to me anyways. So, um, it, it is true, Tim. I've seen that, too. It seems like light gun games have a lot more issues. I don't know exactly why, if it's just that they're run harder. <laughs> well, maybe the reason why is because you know how a lot of light gun games will pull, pulse that white yes. for, like, a reload or something like that? Maybe it's the pulsing of that white that's doing it. I don't know. It seems maybe like there's so. something about light gun games, though, that makes the monitors go, go out faster. And so I don't know exactly what that is, but it does seem like that's the case. It does so. seem that way. But... Um, he said, I know, uh, let's see, you know, I mean, the thing about it is, is that if, it, if the monitor is bad, I believe Crisis Zone is a true light gun game, which means you'll probably need to get a replacement CRT for it. Um, it is not the potentiometer based system as far as I know. Um, you know, Tim, I don't know if you remember Crisis Zone, but it has like one machine gun, like uh -huh. right on the panel. And then it has like this big tubing cabinet style that, uh, that it has the rest of the time. And so you pick up the little machine gun and you shoot uh -huh. it at the screen. Um, kind of a, uh, kind of a, oh, based kind of on time crisis a yes, little bit like, a lot right? like time yeah crisis. i mean not exactly the same because you have a machine gun versus like <clears> a regular <throat> pistol but um somewhat similar so but you will probably have to find a um a replacement monitor or you just rebuild it you may be able to rebuild it right exactly so i mean it's not i mean just because the monitor is bad 
doesn't mean you can't fix it. So that's right. something to keep in mind. Now, if the tube is bad, that's a different thing. <laughs> right. Uh, but if the monitor is bad, you may just be able to repair the ch- chassis and be in good shape. So um, just let us know how it goes. And uh, YouTube Punk even asked him, like, how bad is it? And that's a yeah. great question. Like, how bad is it? Is it Let's- on at all? Is it, you know, a lot of times when a monitor is completely dead, there's actually a lot more hope for it than one that's kind of like that got hit by lightning or something that right. has those washed out colors. A lot of times, completely dead monitors are easier to repair than the the ones that are you know have those hard well, issues to right. And it's because correct or when it's scrolling totally, issues when it's totally out, you know what it is. It's power supply issue. Right. You know, so there's only one section you got to look at. Could be a fuse. Right. Could be a lot of things. Uh, even just the wiring going up to your chassis. So. Let us know, Danny, what's going on with it. Maybe we can even help you further. Sounds good. Well, Tim, let's go ahead and move on to Drew here. And Drew says, hey, guys, I have a Strata Golden T Golf 2, and I just tried replacing the power supply after it stopped working, but it did not fix my problem. The game powers on with the top lamp and coin lights, but the screen is very purple like it was with the old power supply. I am not very experienced in arcade repair, but I'm open to try. Any ideas? Thanks in advance, Drew. Now, Tim, it sounds like Drew has this Golden Tee Golf 2, and he, mm-hmm. he thought, well, I'll replace the power supply, and maybe that will fix it. Now, this whole time, he's just been getting a straight purple screen. Right. Okay, so with that in mind, I mean, what's going on here with Drew's cabinet? Well, although replacing a power supply is a great place to start, you know, I would like to know what's the voltages with the old power supply and the new power supply. You can check those on your board and to see where it is. If your voltages are okay, the fact that you get a purple screen and that nothing else is happening, no sounds, no nothing, which makes me, as long, if it's not playing blind, then it probably is his main board. Right. And the fortunate thing with that, he doesn't have, we're talking a very old version of Golden Tee, so those boards are pretty available on eBay and so forth. You could just replace the board and probably have your game up and running for under $100 easily. Yeah. Or you could even go up to a little bit newer version and have maybe a few more um, courses courses and, and stuff like that. Right. Uh, so I would ha- highly, if you hooked up everything, now you got to make sure just because you change out a power supply that everything's hooked up correctly and the right voltages are going to the right pins and so forth. Because uh, you can get, if it was, it sounds like it was working and it quit. Right. So that that's why I can see why he would think that, you know. Now, if it's never worked, you I would go back through each pinout and make sure that they're actually sending the right voltage to the right pins and make sure that you are getting the correct voltage, no matter what your power supply, new or old, uh, to make sure that it's not a power issue or just something hooked up wrong. Right, exactly. And Tim, I mean, he may not have had to replace power supply. Like you mentioned, if the voltage was good coming off his old power supply, he may have been in good shape. Not saying you made a bad investment by putting a new power supply in no. there because, I mean, it will last longer than probably what was in there before. But And we always say, Tim, to make sure you're getting good voltage. Always start at with, power. Well, yeah, with, with board issues especially. And so I think he did a smart thing in replacing it, but it doesn't sound like that fixed it, so we're having to move on to more advanced repair. Right. So, uh, And if it was playing and you weren't getting anything, we would suspect a monitor issue. But if it's not playing at all, it's just getting a purple screen, that's where it really lends us to believe that it's probably a board issue. So I'll go ahead if put, his power supply is right. I'll go ahead and put this up here, Tim. Based on your description, Drew, it sounds like you are experiencing a board issue. Now, replacing the power supply was a great place to start as bad voltages can cause game boards to malfunction. 
So use a multimeter to make sure that your voltages are correct. Now, Tim, even on a new power supply, you need to do this. Right. Okay, because sometimes those dials get way off. Exactly. And so make sure even on a new power supply that you check it. Tim, when we did the cocktail, assembling a cocktail cabinet from Holland Computers. Right. You know what Bill told us. He said, make sure you check that power supply before you put it in that cabinet. True, for sure. Before you ever plug in the 60-in-1 board, check your power supply. Exactly. And we would recommend doing that anytime you replace the power supply because you need to make sure that those voltages are correct before you hook up your board. Now, here's the deal. When you hook up your board, you're going to have to check it again. Yes. Because there's going to be a little bit of drain on, drain on it from the board, and so you will maybe have to tweak it at that point. But if you have it right at 5 when you install it, the tweak will be small that you'll have to make, and you'll know for a fact your game board does not is not getting more volt, you know, not getting an overabundance of voltage that may damage it. So, I agree. Which is very important. But anyway, so make sure that your voltages are dialed in. So important. If all the voltages check out you're pro and you're still getting this purple screen, then the board is probably bad. You could get it repaired, but these boards are pretty cheap. Now, Tim, I should mention that he could go through some of the steps we have in our video on inspecting an arcade board, uh -huh. which may help him get it back working. So if you want to check out some of those steps in that video, not a bad idea, and that may help you get your board going. But you can get it repaired if you wanted to, but these boards are typically cheap. Tim, definitely under $100 or around 50 for like Golden Tee boards. Uh, you could probably throw even a newer version in there, Tim, because I believe that Golden Tee Golf 2 is JAMA. Okay. So that means that 97, 98, 99, something like that would probably work in his cabinet and has better graphics and better, uh, you know, different courses and things like that. So it may not be a bad idea for him to do that. Um, check around on eBay, some of the arcade forums, you'll find a replacement board. I mean, they're, they're around, right, Tim? Right. So, but again, inspecting an arcade board, our video and post on that may help you out as well. But definitely sounds like more of a board issue at this point, Drew. So, um, you know... Like I said, you can either replace it, try to do the steps we talked about inspecting it, or or send it off for repair. But I don't know. The repair may be more than more yeah, than the, the board. Exactly, just depending on what, what needs to be done. So anyway, hopefully that, that gives you some options, Drew. And please let us know what you go with. And if you get your game back up and run, we'd love to hear what you did. Okay, Tim. Uh, we have uh, one from... It says, it says, the Tundra guy, is there any way to fix the sound issue on a handful of games on the 60-in-1 iCade? Unfortunately, no. The sound issues that I think you're thinking about have to do with emulation. Right. So, like, Gyrus on the 16-in-1 board sounds right. really, really bad, okay? But the problem is that the emulation on the 16-in-1 board is not perfect. And so there's no way to fix that emulation on the board. You could go with a Raspberry Pi. You could go with what's the arcade shop board? I can't even think of the name of it. At arcade the OS. The arcade, uh, yeah, the arcade, not the arcade OS, but um, whatever that arcade shop board is, and I can't even think of the name of it now. Okay. But um, the, the isn't it clay? The it's a clay cowgirl board, right? Yeah. They just so, call it the Multicade or something. Right, exactly. It, but um, you can go with um, that board. If you go with something like that, it has better emulation, Tim, than the 16-1 board. The thing about 16-1 boards, Tim, is they're cheap. Right, and so you get what you pay for, you know. Yeah. Um, the um, the um, the the other like classic multi game board that I can't think of the freaking name of it at the moment. Um, that one has way better emulation, sounds a lot better, but it's also expensive. So yes. like like I said, you get what you pay for with it. So I mean, it really depends on what you're looking for. Uh, Tim, people do the Raspberry Pi with the RPK type setup, which has better emulation than the 16-in-1 board. They, uh, I think the Game Elf boards have better emulation than the 16-in-1 board. So if you're looking, if it's the audio issues are related to the emulation, then yeah, I mean, it's just, that's part of the board. It's kind of the way it does it. Now, if it's if it's a different, if, if you're getting like distortion, like a lot of distortion in your sound or something right. like that, then it may actually be the iCade boards. 
But Tim, the IK boards are so cheap that I mean, you could buy another one for like thirty or thirty-five bucks. You know, right. I mean, so it's kind of like, yes, you could fix it. Is it worth your time to fix them? You know, maybe somebody who ha- you know who, um, like I said, who can diagnose that stuff, very familiar with the board, it may be worth their time. But trying to track that stuff down on that board, I think, would be difficult. I don't even yeah, think we it have, could like, just a be a busted speaker or something. So. Really, if you're just talking about the game doesn't sound right, that's probably what you're going to have to live with. Right, exactly. But if yeah. it's a distorted sound or a lot of crackling or something like that, now that may be repairable. Right, exactly. Something that you can fix. Exactly. So hopefully answers your question, Tundra Guy. If you want to give some more information about the type of sound issue that you're experiencing, uh, please let us know and we'll try to help you out further there. Okay. Oh, the Rexer Show uh, just uh, just came in. He said, let's see, Mr. on a, a DE-1090 does hardware emulation instead of software emulation. I supposedly the best way to emulate arcade. Not sure if you guys have heard of that. I have not heard of that. So I am not even familiar with that, but that sounds cool as well. Um, Tim, like I said, we've seen some FPGA style boards too that actually do like actual hardware emulation, which is really cool. Um, but, um, most of the things that you're going to get, like as far as multi-cade boards go, use software emulation, which is never as accurate as what you get with like actual hardware emulation. So, um, you know, but you know, there's a lot of options out there for different types of things. Like I said, I think uh, even a Raspberry Pi has better emulation than what you're going to get off of the 16-in-1 board. So, right. Okay, let's go to Gary here, Tim. Now this Gary was the Gary that you got to meet, right? Right. Okay. He mentions that in this... Yeah, exactly. So here we go. In your opinion, what is a safe range for all the voltages on a switching power supply to consider it okay for use in an arcade game? Um, uh, If one of those voltages is too high while the other is too low between the plus 5, negative 5, and plus 12, which is the most important to be spot on? Yes, it is me, the same Gary from Northwest Arkansas who saw Tim on Black Friday at Mr. Gaddy's trying to keep the smoke inside all these games. And so, and Tim, I do have a link here and it's down below as well to Gary's Place. Yeah. Which is Arcadia Retrocade in Arkansas. So uh, check out his Facebook page. And if you're in the area, go by because Tim... The pictures look pretty awesome. Yeah, it's so, a great looking saying. place. Anyway, so Tim, he asked a great question here. Uh, it seems like we've had problems with some some power supplies where it's like we can get the 5 dialed in, but the mm-hmm. 12 is not quite dialed in, or the negative 5 is not quite dialed in. So Gary wants to know, like, where are the safe ranges, or what's the most important of all those? Uh, which one's the most important to be spot on? Okay. He asked, the first thing he says, in your opinion, and I will say this, this is my opinion. Okay. Because... Okay. <laughs> There are specific games that are a little bit different, some of the newer stuff. But overall, especially in classic games, seems like it's much more important to dial in the 5 volts. Right. If you have a choice, or or you can't. Now, having said that, you don't want to be more than, say, um, a volt off on the 12 volts. Uh, although 11 volts will light a coin light pretty good. Sure. Um but most of your uh, important voltage to your board, run your processor and things like that, is the 5-volt line. So if I have a choice, I always want to get my 5 volts dialed in. Now, if I'm reading 5 volts and only 10 and a half, 12 volts, then I'm probably going to replace the power supply anyway. I do like, I mean, I like to have that 5 and as close to 12 as I can. But a lot of times, what he's saying is correct. As you get closer to 5, the 12 will either be a little higher or a little lower. So, if you have to dial in one of them, and you'll notice that if you try to dial in the 12 and the 5 drops to 4.9, a lot of times the games will reset or it'll do something like that. You won't notice it as much if you dial in the 5 volts. 
There you go. And I'm going to go ahead and throw this up here, Tim. We talked a little bit about this, but I think it's a good reminder for everybody. Uh, the five, the plus five volts DC line is usually considered the most important as many game boards use this voltage to drive the logic. We usually recommend a tolerance of about a tenth of a volt. Okay, so no more than 5.1 or 4.9 on that. Right. And you really want to be on the high side rather than the low. Exactly. Okay, so, but it depends on the game, of course. But, Tim, there's, I mean, we're, we're usually more likely <coughs> to put on 5.1 then we are even in then yeah. 4.9 or even 5 sometimes. Right. I like that point 0.1 of tolerance just a little bit uh it just so I can ensure I'm getting 5 volts at the board. Right. If you're measuring right off your power supply, it's going to be a little less at the board anyway. Right, exactly. So, um for sure. Now, with that said, you still need to make sure that your plus 12 VDC is close enough that the game runs properly. We've had luck using a tolerance of of about half a volt DC. So, like if you've got 5 and 11 and a half for instance, that's yeah, you're okay. Pretty good. Right, exactly. Or 12 and a half and 5, probably okay. So, I mean, as long as you've got that half a volt DC on either end on the 12 volt line, you're usually okay. Yeah, you start getting a over a volt, like 13 or 10 and a half, that's where I start to get concerned and replace the whole power supply. Exactly. So, um, the, the, now the negative five volts DC is the least important. Tim, a lot of boards don't even use negative five and those that do usually use it for sound. And so even, I've noticed that even if it's a negative three, that it'll still work. Right. Okay. On the negative volts line. So again, not as important on the negative volts line for sure. Now, Michael says uh, here in the chat, he's saying, but people always say check to check lower on the PCB to see if it's getting five. And at the, uh, let's see, at the con- uh, contraction, in it's 5.2. And that is true. You really want to make sure that you're checking it at the board level. Right. Okay, which is why we usually do a 5.1 on the power supply, just so we can get a 5 at the PCB. Now, right. If I have a choice, I'm always going to go down to the board level. Not at the harness, even on the board itself. Exactly. On the other side. And that's where I'm looking to measure and try to get as close to five as possible. Right. If you know what the if you know what some of the pinouts are on your chips, and you know that there's a pin that has the five mm-hmm. volts, you can always measure it at the chip on the board or at a chip on the board, so that way you know. Uh, if you know what the processor is, like in the case of a Pac-Man, a Z80, for instance, you can actually check it on the Z80 processor, so that way you know you're getting five volts right. into the processor. Maybe even an old Atari game, you might even have a checkpoint. Right. Exactly. And that's where I would really hit its zone in on. Test points are huge. Make Mm -hmm. sure you do check them at the test points. So, but here's the deal. When you're going to put it in, make sure that you're getting that 5 and that 12 before you even put it in, like we talked about. So check it before you put it in, because like, let's say you put a power supply in, Tim, and I'm reading 5.5 on the 5 volts line. Right. It may not play real nice with my PCB when I hook it up. Maybe not. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you're, you're getting good voltage even before we put that game or that power supply into the game. That's very important. So... But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things, Tim, you know, I mean, I, uh, but for us though, plus five volts will always be the most important next would be the plus 12 volts and then negative five. Like I said, since most games, some games don't even use it, not as important in the grand scheme of things. So as long as you're getting a good five and a good 12 or somewhere around or a good five and somewhere around 12, you should be in good shape, Gary. So hopefully answers your question and I uh, hope everybody goes to Gary's place and checks out all of his games. Yeah. So there you go. Nothing else. Check out, uh, uh Facebook the page. Right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. Okay, Tim, we have a couple more um, questions here, and these are just about three I just picked from YouTube. Okay. So these are comments we've got on some of our YouTube videos. So Crypto Hodler says, are there arcade are arcade power cords of 80s games like Miss Pac-Man hardwired or removable bo- like PC cords? Now, don't answer yet. Okay. It's going to say them all. Alexander says, does the 60-in-1 save high scores when you turn the power off? 
And Uger says, hello, help, my game card is working, but there is a sound problem. Okay, so the first question is from Crypto Hodler Tim, and he's asking, does do 80s games like Miss Pac-Man, do they have a hardwired power cord, or is it removable like what you would get with a PC? Most of them, especially the Miss Pac-Man style, were soldered, hard soldered in. Right. Uh, you do have a few uh, that I've seen that did kind of plug in, but that, that's mostly newer games. Most of the 80s style were, were hard soldered in. Now, with that said, Tim, a lot of newer style games are using the PC style plugs now, right? Right, or you'll have the power adapters, which there's actually a fuse in a lot of people are not aware of. Right. Uh, the little power bricks are, are very common now. And those power adapters use the same three-prong plug you would get off a PC power supply. Right. The exact same. So, newer games use typically what you're talking about here crypto hodler but 80s games typically it's going to be soldered or connected in somewhere and we have kind of converted some of the 80s games to have that so it does make it easy to unplug and stuff real quick it's also better when you're moving the game tim yes. because you know if the cord if the yeah, cord you've is hanging had to, out you've had to uh pull the cord up over the game and it seems like if you lay the game on its back you're kind of damaging the cord I do like a cord that unplugs. And that's just a personal preference. Well, it's like when you go to the auction, Tim, and you're trying to load it in your truck at 3 a.m. in the morning after right. the auction, <laughs> and you're not thinking to yourself, I can take, or you are thinking I could take the back door off, but you don't have the key, and so you don't feel like drilling it out. Right. I mean, so you just wrap the cord around like the joystick and just haul it up into your truck. Yep. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> so, exactly. So, um, but yeah, you can always put the cord inside the cabinet, Tim, which is what we do for moving purposes. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to remove the cord, typically you'll have to disconnect it or desolder it from somewhere inside the cabinet. Right. Okay, Alexander, does the 161 board save high scores? It can if the dip switch is on, but uh, it doesn't always have save your initials. Yeah, and we found that some do. Right, and it's kind of a don't. different revision of it, but right. there's a dip switch setting um, that you can put on there to save high scores. Exactly. So, And I believe that's dip switch 3 on that 3 bank that has the um, screen orientation and and like the display mode. And I can't remember... Consult I, your manual. It'll yeah, the you. manual has it in there. But I, I think it's the third switch on that dip switch uh, bank that, that does it. So, I mean, and I have actually... I do have the pinouts here, but I can't remember... Like, there's multiple dip switch banks, and so I can't remember which one is which. Right. Depending on the board revision. Some of them only have the one now. So, yes. but anyway... And then Uger Tim is wondering about a sound issue with his game card. And obviously, Tim, it's hard to diagnose without knowing the game card. Right. But uh, what kind of just general ideas can you give Uger? Well, we did. We do have a video on troubleshooting sound issues, and yeah. that's pretty much that video covers just about every kind of sound issue possible. So I would refer him to that video. But you know, we always start with simple things like sometimes it's just your speaker, right? The, and. Uh, you can also, uh, a lot of newer games, I can hook up a headphone or, uh, you know, some earbuds too and make sure that I'm getting sound that way. Uh, if it's got a, external plugs, a lot of times you can do that. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of things that can cause sound. Most of them are relatively simple to troubleshoot and fix. So if you'll watch that video, I think it'll really help him. Sa- sounds good. So let's go ahead and show this to Tim. Crypto Hodler, usually the power cords on arcade games are soldered or connected directly to the cabinet. They can be removed, but it's not as easy as unplugging them. And Tim, I put a diagram here from the real Bob Roberts, his little AC wiring diagram, where we can see here that the AC cord, uh, the, the AC cord is actually hooked up to the filter, right? Okay? which is very common. And so very it's actually common. soldered to the filter. And so you find that in a lot of <clears> different <throat> games. So 
Alexander, yes, you can save scores on 16 one board. May not save your initials. And Tim, it looks like it's dip switch bank three and the third dip switch on that to the on position to enable high scores. Okay. Uger, check out our post on troubleshooting games with sound issues. Try some of those tips. Let us know if it doesn't sound solve the sound issue with your game or let us know what your game is and we can help you troubleshoot it further. Right. It could be the negative 5 volts or something depending on the game. Right. Exactly. Um, the Regzer Show, Greg says, uh, you have to be George Costanza to save his high score on Frogger. Yeah, you got to keep the game plugged in. That's right. right. <laughs> got to keep the game plugged in. Don't That's unplug right. it. That's funny thing, funny uh, Tim, we were playing out in the game room, you know, over the holidays and me and my daughter got to playing Frogger and she she's really into it now. Wow. Yeah, and she, she made it across a couple of times. You know, um, the hardest part of Frogger is getting it into the little hole. Right. Like, getting across the street is easy, but getting into each of the holes is very difficult at the end. I didn't like... Have you played the newer version of Frogger, like a Dave & Buster's? It doesn't give you... You can't, like, stop and move. It's like, once you commit, you have to go. It goes. And that takes the whole fun out of Frogger away from me. I'm like... there's no absolute positioning. It's right. like you have to find the clear path and then hit just it. hit it and then just watch it go. Oh, that's just it's so, like yeah, it's not the same. I was about to say that's just so they can that they can cheat you. You I know, know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They can it have that one car. Much that, harder. Exactly. So, but anyway, yeah, you see, and with playing Frogger, I've been thinking about the Seinfeld episode. Uh huh. And then um, so also over the holiday, um, we went. To, uh, my wife went to a birthday party with my daughter, uh, where they had one of those game buses. Right? Like okay. the game buses oh, that have nice. all the video games. Uh-huh. Like, so the birthday party, they got the game bus to come out and they had it. Well, my wife walked into it. She said, This smells like BO. <laughs> and so it made me think of that Seinfeld Yeah, the car that couldn't get rid of the BO. Exactly. So lots of Seinfeld references over my holiday, apparently. So, um, <laughs> but funny. I actually, we actually watched that one with my wife after that. But um, that I funny. tried to tell her those game buses that have all those games on it. <clears> I mean, people sweat in those. Right? And, you know, I mean, have you ever been to a gym, Tim? Right? I'm just saying, have you ever been to. Um, have you ever been to uh, like a gymnastics? My daughter's gym, gymnastic place it always smells like BO. Even an arcade back in the day. Oh, arcades <laughs> all the time. So I'm surprised mine doesn't smell like BO. But you know how it is. I mean, it's just when you have people in a place and they're sweating, you got it. So right. it is what it is. But anyway, so there you go. So Tim, I think we've finished up with all of the questions. Now, you've already teased it. You've already said it, but we're going to okay. throw it up here. Um the return of Michael. Yeah. So we um, over the holiday here, Tim, I'll throw this up. We actually got together. And and recorded a segment with Michael, and unfortunately I screwed it up. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think it's necessarily your fault, but it's right. just the way it came out was not right. Very good. So we're, we've been messing with having guests on the show, and we've been using some new tech, and still trying to get the hang of it, right? Yeah. And so we recorded over thirty minutes with Michael, but unfortunately we ran into some technical issues with the audio, and it echoed way too much for us to play it on the show. So, but Tim, he said he was up for doing it again. Okay. So we're gonna save up all of our monitor questions and hopefully do a segment with Michael at some point in the future uh, with him. Uh, and it, you know, it was just cool to catch up with him again. And he told us everything that he's been doing since then, but I'll have to let him tell you on the next show now. Okay. But um, we kind of caught up with him, and it was cool. And uh, Michael's such a nice guy and just knows a lot about monitor repair, obviously, because he owned his own electronics repair shop, and the vast majority of what he did was was monitor repair. So, I mean, you know, it was TVs, it was... Uh, CR, just general CRTs, and so obviously he's got a lot of experience with that. And Tim, the segment was great, and I didn't get... I got it all, but his audio is super echoey. So hopefully we'll have him back for the next episode or something like that. I'll save up some monitor questions, and we'll have him back on. But sorry, sorry, Michael, in advance here that we screwed all that up. I know what I did wrong, though, guys. Mm-hmm. I think I can fix it for next time. So there you go. That we'll is... definitely do it again. <laughs> exactly. So uh, anyway, so... 
glad to have Michael back in the fold, Tim, and hopefully we'll get him actually on the show at some point. Tell, I think we could have him live. Yeah. Um, technically. So I think with the way that we did the technique, but I want to do a recorded one, and then maybe if he's we'll available and we do a live show, we can do that. So. Okay, um, Danny says, have you seen the Arcade 1-Up uh, working on pinball machines? Yes, we're going to get to that here in a second. Yes. Uh, is that a teaser? Teaser. Yeah. Uh-huh. Teaser. Coming so, soon. <laughs> coming soon. So, speaking of which, Tim, we're getting to the discussion <coughs> portion of the podcast. And, Tim, the first piece of news we have here are the new pinball releases. Um, now, these are actual pinball releases. Right. From Spooky and Stern. And, Tim, you can watch the trailers for both these, and we have them linked here as well as below in the show notes. Um, Spooky released the Rick and Morty, which I think is already sold out at this point. Wow. And then, of course, Stern has the Stranger Things. Uh-huh. So, um, you can see, I've got the two cabinets there. You really can't see too much about it but uh, from here. But you can see some of the little playfield features and things about them. Uh, Tim, does one of these themes appeal to you more than the other? I like the uh, Stranger Things Stranger one, just because I really enjoy the show. Right. See, for me, I'm, I'm not, not a, a Rick and Morty Not a huge Rick and Morty so, fan. Yeah. I, I am familiar with it. Um, and I haven't seen Stranger Things. I think we talked about this. I've, I'm purposefully postponing it till they're all finished with it, so I can just <laughs> binge it at that point. So, um, But, I mean, if I had to kind of go one way or another, I'd say the Stranger Things. Tim, I think the Stranger Things, like one version of it, has an actual projector that projects onto the play field oh wow have you heard about that no, i haven't heard of it yeah so i think it does I, I, something i was reading about that which is really interesting um but um some cool stuff there i mean it's always good to see new pinball machines coming out tim yep right love pinball machines um the racer show says stranger things is incredible and i should say tim that he actually sent us some pictures from the um from the uh, Stern booth. So let's okay. go ahead and see these. These are from Greg, the Rexer Show. And again, make sure you check out his YouTube page. Link down below. But um, he sent us this one with the Stranger Things, which looks really nice. He also sent the one, uh, the Star Wars with the comic art, Tim, is okay. what this is over here. Now, it looks like the playfield design on the Star Wars is the same. It's just the cabinet side art and the back glass that's different. I that see. has the comic the comic perspective. So, um, but uh, really good stuff. And, uh, oh, uh, the Razor Show says on Stranger Things, it does have a mini projector inside the game that re- uh, reflects gameplay and drops down. So, it nice. ac- yeah, it actually does have a mini projector. And I saw something about that. Pretty cool. I so, I kind of, yeah, new new tech. Hopefully we'll get to play that. Um, I mean, if we go to Texas Pinball, Pinball Festival, Festival. <clears throat> yeah. it'll be the next time. So, I mean, but, I mean, this stuff looks incredible. The comic art, uh, Star Wars, actually looks more appealing to me than the other version. Like, the original version of it, to me. I like the comic styling. I've always been more of a comic fan, so... Um, but the, they didn't change the playfield much, it doesn't look like, so it's pretty much the same as, like, the standard Star Wars. But, you know, I mean, it's nice to give it a little difference, right? It's just a little bit of a difference, so... Um, so, yeah, but I mean, some cool stuff with uh, Stranger Things for sure. And you can see it has the big Netflix logo on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to thank, again, I want to thank uh, Greg for sending those in. We have some more photos here from Greg uh, from his CES. And he had some videos on his YouTube page, so you guys make sure you check those out. Now, Tim, I don't know if you heard, though, but Stranger Things was leaked. <coughs> right. So there was a particular podcast that leaked the promotional video from Stern for Stranger Things. Okay. Okay, so leaked it. Now, I would assume that this podcast had an embargo because I know that other news outlets had an embargo. Okay? okay. Which means that they knew what was going to be released, but they were barred from saying anything till a specified date. Okay. Okay, so this pinball podcast broke the embargo. Okay. So, I thought this would make for a very interesting topic to debate tonight. Okay. So, we will be debating... Is it okay for a news outlet to break an embargo agreement on a new pinball machine? Was it okay for this guy to break his embargo? We're going to assume he had one. 
He may right. not have had one. If he didn't have one, then he wasn't bound by it, right? Right. But most news outlets who deal directly with companies, they have an embargo on the stuff. And the reason why they tell you ahead of time is so you can pre prepare all of your news articles and all that kind of stuff beforehand. So when the when the date go the go right. live date comes, you can just post it and you've got everything out there. And so, but the question is, is it okay for a news outlet to break an embargo on a new pinball machine? So, like, let's say, I mean, for an example, let's say that you and me, um, we're a news outlet, we're working with Stern, and they said, we've got a UFC pinball machine coming out, but you can't say anything about it until February 1st, and then we posted it on January 21st. Okay. Okay? Is it okay for us to do that? All right. That's the question, and that's what we'll be debating tonight. So, with that said, here we are. Okay, so, Tim... Let us do a little reset here, okay. and then we'll get into our debate segment. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for the arcade debate segment for this evening. Tonight, Tim, as you may have heard, there was a news outlet that kind of broke, or what we think happened is that they broke an embargo on the Stranger Things Stern Pinball release, basically posting some stuff about Stranger Things before they were allowed to, based on the manufacturer based on the manufacturer's preference. So, for instance, like I said, if uh, we had some inside information about something and we could only tell it on February 1st and then for some reason we decided to do it on January 21st, we broke that embargo. And so the question that we're dealing with tonight is, is it okay for a news outlet that's covering pinball machines to break an embargo uh, on a new pinball machine announcement like this, okay? And so I know that it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird topic, but at the same time, it kind of deals with all media outlets, not just not just pinball in particular. But since we we obviously cover arcades and pinball machines, that's what we're going to be dealing with tonight. So Tim, in your opinion, is okay for this news outlet that did this to break their embargo agreement and post the new information about the pinball machine anyway? Well, I don't think it's okay. Uh, maybe not. L there's not a big legal issue, but it's kind of like a moral issue. Like if they entrusted you with that information. Now we don't know exactly all the details, but if you're entrusted with some information and you're asked to, I think it's kind of an honor system that you should do that and to hold your tongue, if you will, or hold until they, the date they asked you to. Um, I think it's just a, a good thing to do, uh, especially if they're asking you to do that. So here's my take on it, Tim. And, and here's the thing is that I think there's nothing technically, and like you said, maybe morally wrong, but there's nothing technically wrong with breaking an embargo agreement. But you have to think about it this way. If you break an embargo agreement with a company, you can pretty much guarantee that you're not going to get any information from that company ever again. I mean, that's my personal opinion. Now, if you're a big enough news outlet, maybe you can afford that because, I mean, maybe they have to be covered. Like maybe they have to give you the information because you're big enough. But if you're a little guy, Tim, and you break an embargo agreement and, you know, if I'm the company, I'm never giving you information ever again. So I think from that perspective, I mean, yes, it is okay to do it, but don't you want information going forward? That would be my question to the news outlet. Yeah, and then we don't really know how it broke. Was it just a rogue reporter? Was it somebody that knew somebody? There's brother-in-law work there. How did it get broken? And, you know, when you know news, let's say they didn't have a, for se, agreement, but they just broke the news because they had heard from a reliable source uh, we run into this in the real media all the time. It's like, if you want to know where our troops are going to be and stuff, you just watch the news, right? Because right. they're going to tell you everything. And to me, it's the same deal that sometimes too much information, uh, there's stuff that I don't need to know. And there's stuff that 
Um, but then again, is it silly that, you know, they're so secretive? Uh, you know, everybody wants to be the first to break the news. We're talking about a pinball game. We're right. not talking about, I don't know that it really affects sales that much. Um, but maybe it does. Maybe there's something we don't know. So on the sales portion, I think, you know, um, Mark, our, one of our Facebook moderators, make a good point on this, Tim. It's like they don't want to announce something. The, the reason why they announce things after Pinball Festival a lot of times is because they want to sell the stuff that's already out at Pinball Festival. Sure. That's what they want to do. And so when news breaks early, there may be people who are deciding to get maybe a Jurassic Park, right? Or, or one of the other new new um, new uh, Stern Pinball machines. But now that they've heard that Stranger Things is out, before the date that it's supposed to be, they're now looking at buying the Stranger Things, so they delay that purchase till later. And so, in a way, it does affect the sales of the company in that way. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, does it really affect it that much? I mean, are you still probably going to make a sale? Yes. But, I mean, it may, you know, there may be somebody who buys the Jurassic Park and then says, well, I'm going to buy the Stranger Things too because I like that as well. They make it a double sale out of that. So, in a way, it does affect it, I think, a little bit as far as the sales go. But, I mean, the main thing for me is that if you break an embargo agreement, you should expect never to be able to get information about that company ever again directly from the company. I think that's the biggest thing. I think so too, and the but the fact is is that we don't know how it broke, right? Or you know what leaked out. But I think that you know they're also as any kind of news media, they really need to respect a lot of times that in the pinball manufacturers' right to release a lot. A lot of people will do this to Jersey Jack and wonder what this next thing's going to be and who's going to design it. I mean, you know, some point every company deserves a little bit of privacy too. And I think that we need to respect those. And it might not be technically wrong. There might not be a lawsuit or something like foul. But we should be, we're all collectors and we're all kind of friends. And we should respect those things that the wishes of these companies to do it in the right way and not try to be the first to get the news out there just for some hits on a website or something. And here's the thing too, Tim, is we've been told off the record what things are before. Right. You know that. Like, we've had manufacturers, we've talked to them, and they told us, like, our next game is going to be this. Right. Off don't the say record. nothing. Right. <laughs> off the record. If it is off the record, you've got to respect off the record. Otherwise, you can't expect to get, you can't expect that source to trust you ever again. Tim, there are reporters who break off the record agreements, and those reporters, to me, are not good reporters, okay? Because right. if you're breaking an off the, off the record agreement, that's what off the record means, is that you don't tell anybody. And so there have been times where we knew, Tim, we knew Wheel of Fortune was coming out before it came out, for instance. Right. We knew that. I mean, even before Stern announced it, but we didn't say anything about it necessarily just because it hadn't been officially announced that way. Or, you know, if you hear a rumor, that's different, right? Like, right. I hear a rumor that something's going to be there. But if you have somebody from the company says, this is off the record, you should not say it, then you should you should honor that commitment. Like you said, maybe more of a moral obligation than anything. But for the most part, I really do think it comes down to, yes, it's okay to break it, but if you do, there are consequences that will be caused by that. So, sure. is, anything else that you want to say? Last word. No, I think that you're right. The consequences should be that they... They should not uh, let you in on the next one, and uh, which is simple. You know, if they gave you the information this time and you jumped the gun, they should they should never do it again. Exactly. And if I'm that company, Tim, that's exactly the course of action that I'm taking. I, if I'm Stern Pinball, I'm saying this reporter gets nothing from us. Anybody who talks to him will be severely punished in some way. We are not going to give him any information going forward because he broke. If he didn't break the embargo agreement like we think he did, then then, you know, obviously that is that is a no-no and the company can drop the hammer down on him 
consequences wise and not give him any more information but the question is tim what does everybody else think please let us know what you think uh, in the uh, comment section below if you're watching this on facebook if you're on twitter you can reply to this post and let us know what you think uh, and again thank you for watching the arcade debate segment for you this evening and we hope to see you very soon okay tim right. now this is more of a media topic I guess less that less of a pinball topic in a way. Yeah. So, but I do think it's interesting that um, that it kind of crossed over into that because we've had the leak of Stranger Things and things like that. So, uh, let's see what we have here. Uh, let's see. Gary says people who break an embargo are rarely given a second opportunity by the manufacturers, and that's exactly what should happen, mm. in my opinion. We shouldn't see that. Um, as my boss says, you can do anything you want on your last day. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's right. Exactly. So uh, let's see. Uh, the media oh there you go um yeah they uh they do it if media is embedded uh his media is not embedded it's in a lot of places oh okay anyway michael says unfortunately people want to get the scoop and get likes and money it's a business town that's exactly correct right. um the reason why this was leaked why this this podcast did it was for you know the obviously place, for yeah. likes and for for stuff like that but there's consequences with manufacturers just something to keep in mind that's all i'm saying so i, I mean agree. for sure so Okay, well, if you guys have any more thoughts on that, please let us know in the live chat. We'll be happy to read those as well. So, but uh, anyway, guys, so I mean, yeah, embargoes, abide by them. That would be my advice to you. If you're a media guy, abide by an embargo. If somebody tells you something off the record, keep it off the record. I agree. There, there was a reporter recently, I think for the New York Times, that leaked something off the record. Yeah, I think don't so. do that. <laughs> right. Don't do that. Golly. Tim, as, as somebody who studied journalism at one point in his life, you know, have integrity. I know right. it's hard. I know it's hard. Right. <laughs> have integrity. So there you go. I promise if you do that, you'll be a reliable news source. There will be no fake news about you. All right. So there you go. Okay, Tim. Let's go ahead and get into more news. Um, obviously, we had the mention about Arcade 1-Up Pinball Machines. Yes. But let's talk about the entire CES lineup of Arcade 1-Ups that we saw. So, Tim, this article is from GameSpot. And you can see here it says, New Burger Time Arcade Cabinet NBA Jam with Online Multiplayer Revealed by Arcade 1-Up. So these are the things that we know about, Tim. We know that they announced a Burger Time Special Edition with Karate Champ, Bad Dudes, and Caveman Ninja. This is pre-orderable on their website right now. Okay, and it's limited edition. I think there's 3,000 of them, uh-huh. which is probably 2,700 more than they need. <laughs> I don't know how many they're going to sell. I don't know. That Burger Time looks pretty cool. It does That's look pretty cool. Kind you of can a see, neat cabinet. I was about to say, you can see the cabinet there. So it is a special edition. You can get it on their website directly. They're not going... I don't know if they're going to sell it in stores or not. Mm. So, And then, um, Tim, they announced the NBA Jam, and it has NBA Jam on it, NBA Jam Tournament Edition, and NBA Hang Time. And also features free online multiplayer. The cabinet has Wi-Fi capabilities built into it. And so you hook it up to your Wi-Fi network and you can play with other NBA Jam cabinet owners over their online platform for free. Wow. So no cost related to that. Now, Tim, I'm sure at some point they'll shut down that network, right? Right. (laughs) But, I mean, for now, it'll be free and you'll get to play with your friends. Speaking of Frogger, Tim, there's a Frogger and it has Time Pilot and Time Pilot 84 on it. So you can play all of those. There's a four-player Golden Axe with Shinobi, Altered Beast, Wrestle War, and Golden Axe, The Revenge of Death Adder, which is something we have not seen in the home market ever. Right. It was only an arcade game. Wow. So on the Wrestle War, Tim, you may you may or may not know this, Wrestle War was a vertical game. And so what they did was they put a bezel on either side of the screen. Like it has the instruction bezels oh, on the screen gotcha. to make up for the vertical uh, deficiency gotcha. on the horizontal screen. So I've seen the screenshot of it. Pretty cool looking. Um the Atari Star Wars sit-down cabinet, not really sit-down. Basically what they did was they took the Atari Star Wars and they added a bench to it. 
Okay. So mm-hmm. you can buy the bench if you already have it, and it's basically the same thing. And then, Tim, of course, the pinball machines. They're three-quarter scale Zen Studios powered by Pinball FX platform. Okay. okay. So the Pinball FX platform, if you guys have played that on your iPhone, your Android device, uh, Tim, you may know that that they got the rights to Williams and Bally tables about a year ago or so. And so we're going to see some of those Williams and Bally. In fact, one of the cabinets they were showing off was the attack from Mars, which I'm going to show um, a picture that uh, Greg took of that. Let's go ahead and move to those pictures real quick. Oh, here we go. Okay, so here's the picture. Now, Tim, this is the Star Wars playfield here. Right. And this is a custom table that's available on Pinball FX. And so this is like the actual, the actual, uh, this is what it looks like when you're looking down into it. Gotcha. Okay. And it's kind of, it's not right up on the glass. It's kind of sunk in on the arcade one-up tables. Uh-huh. Another thing is that the arcade one-ups do not have a plunger. They have a push button. Ah. Okay, so they don't have a physical plunger on them. They have a push button for launching. But, I mean, it just depends. The side art, I thought, looks really cool. Uh huh. So there you go. Here's the little bench that you can add to your Star Wars to make it the sit down. Yeah. It's okay. okay. And then here's a special edition Pac-Man with the wood paneling, and it plays. I think it plays more games than the traditional Pac-Man. Okay. Um, instead of the the three or four that the initial Pac-Man did, I think it plays Galaga. It plays six or so. And then Tim, here's the Attack from Mars cabinet right here on the right. bottom right hand corner, and uh, that one looks really cool as well. And I mean, you know, it's it's a cool concept for sure. Um, Tim, obviously, Toy Shock. You know, the Haunted House 12 and one that we talked about in the last show. Uh-huh. Um, we're about to see their stuff, too. And from my perspective, their stuff may be a little more realistic. And okay. we'll talk about that here a little bit. But here's here's just some pictures that Greg snapped while he was at the CES. And again, we want to thank him for snapping all those pictures and sending them over to us. Uh, Razor Show says, on the burger time, why do they have two games that are vertical and two that are 4x3 aspect? Bad Dudes is 4x3 and on there. You know, sometimes um, they will shrink those games down. A, th- a great example of that is I've seen Missile Command on a vertical monitor, right? Right. And so we've seen some that run on vertical monitors. There may be a version of Bad Dudes that runs on a vertical monitor. Not for sure on that. But, um, you know, they're probably just squeezing it in. It probably doesn't affect the gameplay that much to do it. And so they figured they could get away with it. So you never know. Uh, let's see. Andy says, thanks, guys. I will give the Diosing tool a try. I'll also disconnect the game board and, and roll that out. That was Andy from the discoloration okay. video we had earlier. Awesome. Uh, thanks for being here, Andy. Hopefully that helps you out and keep us updated on your progress. Uh, Rigs show again. The Star Wars is supposed to come with 10 titles, all basically Star Wars games, if there's even... <laughs> if there is 10 even to them. Yeah, the arcade one-ups are supposed to come with 10 titles each. Oh, okay. So on each game, on each cabinet, you're supposed but to get it is a, ones. But it is a virtual pinball. It is a virtual is. pinball. That yeah. should be said. All of these are virtual pinball. So <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think it looks cool. But yeah. you know, it's three quarter sized. I definitely would like to play one. Exactly. We need to give it a play and see. Now and somebody see said that it kind of looks like a baby giraffe. A and little I, bit, maybe. <laughs> I think so. the The legs are full pinball legs right. on a shorter cabinet, so maybe it is a little strange looking. That definitely so. Now, Tim, here's the Toy Shock. And again, Toy Shock was the company that put out the 12-in-1 table that we talked about last month. Right. Um, But not to be outdone by Arcade 1-Up, Toy Shock is also debuting some of their new products. And Tim, uh, you'll see the Black Hole cabinet, which I think plays the same 12 games as the 12-in-1. The Haunted House is just in a different cabinet. Right. But Tim, their Wave 2 stuff is like this Gladiator's cabinet here. And it has a 14-inch LCD in the back glass. Oh, nice. So instead of just having the scoring LCDs in the back glass, it actually has a 14-inch display. Now how much do these there. cost? Um, right now, the 12-in-1 is about 400 If you oh. buy it, If you buy it from uh, Walmart, it's 400 So I assume that their other stuff's going to be 400 too. 
this wave two may be more because since they're including LCD the background. extra LCD. But Toy Shock also actually puts a physical plunger on their games. Nice. Okay, instead of the monitor being sunk in like we see on the arcade one up ones, their monitor is flat up against the glass. And I don't know if I like one more than the other per se, but um, I think I'll have to play both to see I think which so. one I like better. I think I would definitely like the plunger feel better. Right. So some of the cabinets they had at the show, they had the, this black hole, Tim. They also had a Bone Busters <coughs> uh-huh. and a Class of 1812. Tim, all of these cabinets look like smaller versions of their big brother counterparts, which is okay. pretty cool. Um, they're all powered by Pinball Arcade. Okay. okay, which is the competing platform to Pinball FX, basically. Right. So, uh, Farsight Studios uh, makes Pinball Arcade, Tim. And to be honest with you, um, I like Pinball Arcade better. Right. Like, for playing the tables, me personally. Pinball FX is not bad. It's just that I prefer Pinball Arcade. So, I mean, it is what it is. But um, the Wave 2 stuff is going to have a 14-inch LCD in the back glass, improved speakers, faster processor, and adjustable legs. So, you can make it taller or shorter, depending on how you need to. Nice. So, again, guys, this is all for the home market. But, Tim, there's a lot of people, I think, that don't have a pinball machine right now but would always wanted a pinball machine but sure. can't pull the trigger on a $4,000 price tag. You know right. what I'm saying? For $400, though, $500, they don't mind that so much. And so, for those people, it plays well. And, Tim, virtual pinball is not terrible. I right. play it on my phone all the time. And, I mean, you know, it's not the real thing. But it's close enough, you know, for me playing it to, to have fun with it. Well, you know? for the price. Exactly, for the price. I bet the kids will enjoy it, too. Right. Um, let's see. He says, I can tell you on the virtual pinball, they don't play like the expensive virtual pinball. The ball play is slower, and the ball seems like it floats um, and is not as reactive. For the price, though, still fun. And that's one of my complaints about the Pinball FX platform. Okay, Pinball Arcade feels better for me, like as far as the ball physics, okay. ball physics feel better on pinball arcade. So, um, my question to Greg, real quick: Did you get to play the um, Toy Shock ones, and did they play better or worse to you? Um, so versus the arcade one up one, okay. because I'd like to know. Like I said, I prefer the pinball arcade platform just because I, I feel like the ball has better motion. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, that to me, pinball FX always has kind of like those floaty physics, and I'm I'm not a big fan of that either. So. But anyway, maybe he'll reply back here, Tim, and we'll find out. And here's a picture, Tim, of the Bone Busters cabinet, just to give you an idea. So, I mean, it comes up probably to, you know, about waist level. Yeah. Which is a little bit shorter than what a traditional arcade game would come, you know. So, oh, he said Toy Shock was the only one he played. So he got to play the Pinball Arcade one, and he thought it was floaty. That's interesting. Um, Maybe a faster processor would help that. Like, they're putting in the Wave 2 stuff. Okay. So maybe putting a faster processor in there would be better. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, this screen, maybe it's because it's not sunk in and behind the glass, uh-huh. but I think it looks sharper than the arcade one-up screen. But that could just be the perspective that the photo's taken out. Could of. be. Exactly. So they only let a couple of people play the one-up ones. So there you go. Huh. Interesting. But uh, again, we want to thank uh, the Regzer Show, Greg, for uh, sending us all those pictures. Very nice of him to do that. Uh, and again, if you want to see the video coverage of CES on his YouTube page, you can go to the link below in the show notes and check it out. Okay, Tim, well, enough about new game announcements. We're moving on from that. Um, Tim, you probably saw this post that I made. Um, I, I was browsing mm-hmm. through some of our local uh, for sale groups, and I saw this Donkey Kong with this side art. Right. Very unique side art. Um, I had not seen this side art before. Our friend Patrick Scott Patterson said that he's seen it before, and it's not, like, totally uncommon. It's not rare. Um, but, it, it, you know, you don't see it a whole lot. Okay. Okay. But yeah, you can, I don't, I've seen like I've seen it before, but pretty rare. You can go to the post on our, on our Facebook page here um, to see like the whole post but basically this is a summary of what i said while browsing for some of our local local uh, for sale postings i came across the donkey kong with the side art 
I haven't seen it before, and I was curious about the origins. And Mike Hanland on Facebook discovered it was sold by Wicco, Tim. Okay. As a replacement for the original side art, the price listed on Wicco was uh, $26.99 for both sides. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, very cheap. You probably make some money off of that if you had it, huh? Right, exactly. So, back in the day, obviously, Tim, this was a lot cheaper than going with the traditional Donkey Kong side art. Yes. And you got more art. You got more surface area of artwork. If you Looks remember, like Donkey it. Kong just had... Kind of like a, almost like a half cabinet side art. Uh-huh. It didn't have a whole cabinet side art. With this, you had a full cabinet side art. But it is some of the goofiest, yeah, it's kind goofiest of... uh, side art I've ever seen. But Wico Tim made a lot of difference. Though. Yeah, they did. So I mean, it, it, it this wasn't the only thing that they made. Um, Tim, you've had the Wico control panel overlays mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. And so I mean, they made a lot of like uh, replacement side art, third party style, and uh, I'm sure they made good money on it because there's no licensing involved. I'm sure. Right. So uh, they were able to sell it cheaper than what you get the original side art for, which a lot of a lot of operators liked that appealed to them because they, you know, somebody ripped the side off off, off their game and they want to replace it. So. For sure. But uh, if you guys are interested in more uh, more of the comments from that, make sure you check out our Facebook page and that uh, link so you can see the rest of the comments people had to say. And then, Tim, this is the last piece of news, but um, and we post this on our Facebook page, guys, but I wanted to mention it here, too. Uh, for those of you guys who haven't heard, Dan Ferguson, who is the owner of the Lone Star Pinball Museum, passed away. Uh, and so um, we just you know want to wish his uh, family you know the best going forward. He was seventy four years old, Tim. For okay. those of you guys who may not be familiar with Dan, he actually would do a history of pinball seminar at the Hag almost every year. And so um, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and put this slide up here. Um, you may remember Dan from some of our Hag seminars on the history of pinball that we have posted on our YouTube channel. Dan was a great man who helped many in our hobby. He will be missed. Rest in peace, Dan. And Tim, like Dan was going to like Pinball Expo in Chicago, like back when it was still only manufacturers going and fans didn't get to go. I mean, we're right. talking about his history in pinball. His life spanned the history of a lot of the pinball, a lot of pinball, you know. And so, uh, and Tim, we got to go to the Lone Star Pinball Museum. I'll tell you, that's probably one of the highlights of uh, ever was getting to go there and uh, play some games with Dan. And uh... I, I, he could not have been more gracious he was the nicest guy every time we talked to him he was super nice and super willing to tell you about anything you want to know about pinball machines yes. so i mean if you uh if you were willing to learn dan would teach you and right. he he was and he showed us so many cool pieces he had at the lone star um, pinball museum which we recorded video there and i probably still have in the archive somewhere i don't think we ever released but um so many cool i mean because he didn't just have pinball machines tim he had a whole bunch of oh, electronic wow. mechanical yeah. stuff uh just some cool pieces <laughs> cool and rare stuff just all through that pace and, and tim basically if you want a project pinball he's just like take one home with you you know <laughs> because he had so many projects but um man we just want to we want to thank uh want to thank dan for just all the information he's given us over years tim learned so much from Dan about just pinball and, and in general. So, um, and his seminars were some of the best. And Tim, you can still watch two of his seminars, the 2012 and the 2013 seminars on our YouTube page. And those, uh, those links that we had on the, on the outline there, um, they're also below in the show notes. So you can go to both those. If you've never seen them or you're not familiar with Dan, it would be worth checking it out. He and was- I believe I also scanned, if you go to the post for those, on our website that I scanned the handouts that he had for those too. Cause oh, he had nice. handouts that kind of showed the whole breakdown. So, um, Tim, I knew he had been sick for a while. People saw him at the hag last year and, uh-huh. you know, people thought he was getting better. And then, you know, I don't know what happened, but, 
obviously got you know got sick and passed away so again thoughts and prayers are with his family and um we lost we lost a good guy in the hobby when we lost dan so um yeah just rest in peace man we're gonna miss you so uh somebody said uh what happened to the museum i think i i think um i think they still have it like his family yeah, is still going to have a son. That, I, I, I think, think so. It... I can't remember. I don't know exactly. <laughs> if we get any details, we can definitely let you know, YouTube punk. Uh, and somebody, Seahorses at Night says, Rip Dan, R.I.P. Dan, of course. Uh, rest in rest in pen. Right. <laughs> so, oh, that's cool. Uh, release the footage. Jonathan, need to <laughs> need to fill out a Freedom of Information request. Dan is gone yet. Billy Mitchell lives on. Cruel world. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we do have the Lone Star Pinball Museum footage somewhere, and I just never got to splicing it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll just put it together and put it out there because it was it's a cool place and if you've never been to a a dan ferguson uh game burning that's right exactly they were (laughs) he was known for if you've had it we had some wiener roasts there before they were pretty awesome there you go so it it is what it is though guys (laughs) i mean you know i mean he 74 tim yeah i mean just yeah oh really we were really missed dan yeah we will so especially his seminar at the hag tim every year uh and you know the 2018 was the last time I went to the Hag, and he went on right before us. And he went a little long, and I told him, you know, just talk all you want, Dan. (laughs) So uh, no problem with us, but, um, you know, just uh, learned so much from him. Such a great guy in the hobby. So anyway. Well, Tim, that wraps it up for the regular show. Do want to remind people that we want your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less about arcade related topics send a link of your video to our questions at arcade make sure you put in a plug for your channel so people will know where to find you we look forward to seeing your submissions we you know guys we haven't gotten any submissions in a while um if you guys have anything that's related to arcades and you want some promotion on our channel send it over to us at questions at arcade we'll review it and if we like it we'll play some clips on the live show and put a link in the show notes for you of course guys we started this because a lot of you guys had were demonetized when YouTube went up on their requirements for that. And so if you're looking to get back into monetization, then, uh, you know, definitely let us know. We'll help you out. Uh, then we also have our contact information. We have our general email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Put live show in the subject to get it mentioned on the show. Again, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. We have our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com and comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode. In fact, Tim, that Arcade 1-Up official uh, uh, question that we had tonight was a comment that was left on the last live show episode. Okay. So, yes, if you leave a comment on the live show episode, then we will cover it on the next episode. And then, Tim, we have the podcast, podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. You can send an email to Eric and Rusty, the host of the Question and Answer podcast. And, Tim, they are doing podcasts again. They released a new one, nice. you know, right, right around the time of the last live show. So um, they are going to start doing them again. And so if you want to get a question into them, you can send it to podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. And while you're thinking of them, make sure that you check out the iTunes page and Stitcher radio pages for that and subscribe. iTunes.arcaderepairtips.com, Stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com for those. And Tim, we're also on Spotify. So go to Spotify and do a search for Arcade Repair Tips and you'll find the question and answer podcast there as well. And then, Tim, we have our social media pages. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and our Twitter feed at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. And, Tim, we want to thank Mark and Louie for all the work they put into posting all that great stuff on those pages. Of course, Tim, they are technically Facebook moderators, but they 
all of their stuff does get cross-posted to Twitter. So whenever you see something uh, on Twitter, more than likely it came from our Facebook page. So again, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and twitter.arcaderepairtips.com for our social media pages. Tim, it looks like we have a couple of questions coming out in the live chat here before we uh, before we sign off. Seahorses okay. at Night uh, says, how much do you think a good price is for a non-working but but intact space duel? Ooh, wow. space duel. Uh, golly, intact. So we're talking about complete but not working. <clears throat> I would say a couple hundred dollars or less. is. You think so? I was thinking more than that. Well, I was thinking if you could get it for that, yeah. it would be a good price. Oh, definitely. But, but I mean, you're probably anything three, under yeah. four, maybe up to four. Um, space tools you just don't come across very often. Right. And people who are looking for them, you know, really like them. If and it's so- complete and... Um, then yeah, I mean that's kind of up to you. I would think that anything under five hundred dollars is a good price. I think so too. If it's complete, yeah, if it's complete, because I mean more than likely you can probably get it going depending on what the problem is. Maybe maybe not, right. but um, but yeah, complete but not not working. I mean, I would think anything under five hundred would be a good deal. Yeah, I would really, um, I, w- I would be in there all day with that price. There you mm-hmm. go. So there you go. Under anything under five hundred dollars. So if you can get it for anything under that, you're probably in good shape. Because again, I mean, you just don't come across them that often, especially Mm-mm. in complete, like in a complete, uh, but not working state. So, right. Um, let's see. YouTube Punk says, "Gotta drop off, guys. We'll catch the replay. Take care. Happy 2020. Go Seahorse. There you go." So, <laughs> uh, Danny says it should have a PC-based power supply. Oh, he had a question. Hang on. He says, "I was talking to guys about Cruising World arcade power supply, and they." And how they power a lot of things, and was sitting here thinking I have been uh, had a lot of par- problems with my Vapor TRX, wondering because I put a switching power supply in it, and it should have been a PC based power supply too. Yeah, go with what came in the cabinet. Yeah, I, think I mean so. always go with what came in the cabinet because if you're going with something different, basically you're rigging it at that point, and you just never know, Danny, uh, if the rigging's going to take or not. So yeah, always try to go with what originally came in the cabinet. Uh, let's see. Um, Seahorses at Night said, cool, I was thinking about five. Thank you. So he was right on with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anything, 500 or less, you're getting a good deal on a space tool. Right. Sure. Okay. So our, okay, Michael says, selling a Congo Bongo, 699, LOL complete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there you go. Um, it's a different thing, demand, right? right? So like, um, Tim, I don't know how many Congo Bongo collectors are out there versus like Donkey Kong, right? Right. So, um, you know, it's all about supply and demand, right? That's what it's all about. So anyway. Okay, guys, we're about to move into the after show here. And, Tim, let's talk about some of the topics we have on the after show. Is there anything in particular you want to talk about? Uh, Well, we're both Cowboys fans. There's been a lot of news lately. We'll probably talk about that. Some good, some bad. We'll talk about that. About the playoffs. Exactly. We'll be talking about uh, what we did over a holiday. Yeah. A little bit more in depth so you guys can know that. We'll be talking about college football. Yes. And and obviously championship coming up pretty quick here, Tim, and some of the thoughts on that. Um, We'll be talking about some TV shows. And, Tim... You sent over a Don't F With Cats that you'd watch that that had been in my Netflix queue. <sighs> and so in order for us to talk about it, I watched it before oh, the show. So I have Way now, different I am, than I thought it was going to be. I am now caught up okay, with, uh, with Tim on Don't F With Cats. <clears throat> so if you've seen that and you'd like to give some input on it, then uh, please uh, stay tuned for the after show coming up right after this. And of course, Tim, um, we post the audio from the show on the podcast feed. So if you're listening to this and you want to see or hear the after show, uh, make sure you go to the YouTube video for this and watch the uh, replay or the DVD. VR uh, for this episode there if you want to hear more of the after show. Tim, is there anything that you want to say before we sign off for the regular show here tonight? No, we're sorry we couldn't get the video from Michael. We promise yeah. that we will try to work on that soon. 
Um, you know, maybe we'll do a complete monitor show one time since we always seem to have a lot of monitor issue questions. But I hope that tonight has been uh, informative as well as been entertaining. Thank you all for watching, and we look forward to doing the after show also. Absolutely, guys, and thank you, guys. We hope everybody has a happy 2020, Tim. Hopefully, you have gotten a great start to your decade. Can I get in on an off-topic thing real quick? Sure. Decades versus centuries. When we talk about decades, how do we refer to them? The 20s, right. the 30s, whatever. Okay, so is 1920s still the 20s? Yes. Yes, because we still refer to it as the 20s. I think okay, so. Okay, but centuries, we refer to starting at zero. Zero. Or right. one, technically. One. So, like, so like one, <clears throat> right, like one to a hundred would be the first century. Right? right. And it's like when we moved, to, we technically moved into the 21st century, century at 2001. Okay. Right? Because we count centuries at, in groups of 100, starting with ordinal numbers at one. Right. Whereas decades are referred to by the last two digits of the number. Seems that way. 20s, 30s, 40s. These are two different things. So it is a new decade. People people were saying, oh, the new decade doesn't start till, till next year. No, I've heard that that's argument. wrong. <laughs> that's wrong. Because the tw- the 1920s is still, con- 1920 is still considered the 20s. Right. I'm off my soapbox. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, we are out of time for the normal show. Thank you guys again for joining us. 